Welcome to another edition of the Sports Block Podcast. The college football season is right around the corner. Nathan Stack in here. Uh, Travis Krins, as always, here with me. Uh, fine co-host of this podcast, or co-host of this fine podcast, as well as the 2080 Baseball Podcast, as well. Both of which can be found on iTunes. Uh, we should be... We should be excited about the college football season, and we are, but it is hard not to, and, and I just want to touch on this briefly and we'll move on, but it's hard not to uh, to think about what's going on in Houston and the uh, in Texas in general and even southwest Louisiana with what uh, Hurricane Harvey is doing. Uh, Houston is flooded. Many, many... Uh, like rescues have been performed, thousands of people are you know have lost their homes. Uh, fifty one inches of rain, rain over fifty one inches of rain confirmed in Baytown, Texas. That's just a little bit to the east of Houston, who has thirty two point six inches. I am uh, reading or I'm watching the Weather Channel as we are currently speaking. I'm watching it as much as I can, just because. This sort of thing does intrigue me. It's impossible not to watch because it's live drama, and your heart just it, it pulls for this. Here, Travis. I mean, <laughs> we make jokes about this, you know, and, and uh, this and that. But I mean, this is bad. I, I mean, you you wouldn't wish this upon any anyone here. And well, it's, it's, you just this is just a terrible situation that you wouldn't wish upon almost anyone. Would you have left? What would you have done? you left would you have stayed i probably would have stayed it depends on where we are so i mean there are lots of people who are or i shouldn't say lots but there are people out there who are uh, angry at the city or say you know say at houston like why didn't you evacuate more people and it it you needed to get people off the coastline first you need to ensure their safety houston wasn't in the direct line of contact here they were just going to get a lot of heavy rain and wind and I don't know if the meteorologists just didn't uh, predict that that the rain would stick around and that Harvey would be essentially stationary over uh, Houston, but and that's what it's turned out to be. That's why Houston and the surrounding area has gotten so much rain. And you know, the Corpus Christi and Victoria, Texas, by comparison, have been. Uh, Saved essentially. Yeah, I mean, they still have plenty of damage. You know, Rockport, Texas, Portland, Texas, and all the like. But I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think they thought it was going to be this bad. And how can you predict something like this, especially when you need to get people who you know are going to be hit at least right away out? I, it's it's tough, and you can't move. That Houston's the fourth largest city in the U.S. Largest city in Texas. How are you going to try and get that many people out? You know, it, it's it's a difficult situation. There's no right answer. There's no there's no wrong answer to I guess, but it's just tough. It really is. And I guess people. Oh, this was whenever it was like in Louisiana, New Orleans. Sometimes like people tried to get out and they they died somehow. They were stranded on the roads and they died in the flooding or whatever. But yeah, when you get you know even tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people out you know you got to do that like you know a week in advance almost and that's you really can't predict because what it was a category four and that was a little heavier than they thought and the thing's still going usually once it makes makes land that's you know about a day or two later it fizzles out but this thing is 
my back in, and uh, it's not quite a hurricane. It's still it's a, a tropical storm storm at this point, or maybe a low depression. Now I think it's actually might be considered a low depression. What it was like Thursday or Friday, and here we are on Tuesday and Wednesday, and we're still almost a week later, and we're still talking about the damn thing. It's uh, still still going on. So it's uh, yeah, thirty, forty, fifty inches of rain. And uh, it's not stopping. So. And and they are they're trying to get it, you know, like controlled uh, releases out of the reservoirs and the in the bayou and and whatnot. But that's difficult to do because where's the water necessarily going to go? I mean, it, it, it's tough. And the one thing that's different about Harvey than Katrina is that New Orleans kind of knew what was happening. Like, hey, we're we're gonna. Like they knew they were in the direct path of this, and not to say that Houston wasn't, but by the looks of it, they were just going to get a lot. Like I said, a lot of rain and whatnot. And but New Orleans, they of course you're below sea level. You have the levees. Uh, the, those had some concerns. I, like I get it. Houston maybe Houston does deserve some blames, like the city officials. But I'm not going to say that they weren't thinking they're like having the the best interest of their citizens in mind, not by any stretch, because I don't think anyone could have foreseen this thing stalling and pummeling Houston with heavy, you know, belts of rain or heavy pockets of rain time and time again over the last four or five, you know, over the four or five days that this storm's been going on. Sounds like levees and dams have been doing good. Sounds like their, their, uh, what you call it, the, uh, Drainage systems, I guess, are not great. They're like 70-some years old, and they're not very good, so that's an issue. Yeah, New Orleans, as you said, is under sea level, so that's not going to be great for them, and the levees broke for them, and that caused the huge problems. Uh, but with this, yeah, it's just so much rain. And I read that Houston is dropping like a, an inch or two every year on average, and like in the last 40 years, it's dropped four feet, I guess. So I'm sure that doesn't that doesn't help the situation. No, it probably doesn't. And if that continues, you know, if it drops another almost a foot every decade, I mean that's ten feet in a hundred years. Um, yeah, that that's not good. Yeah, and yeah, you're right. Yeah, we've talked before. You know, Louisiana's losing. You know, coastline. Uh, it's eroding here. You know, every year they lose. You know, so much or every couple of years. I mean. And you have all these schools and businesses, and it's impacting the sports world. We'll get we'll touch on that here briefly because it, I mean sports is the least of anyone's concern here right now. But I mean, it, it it's just terrible to see what's going on now. It does sound like uh, I saw a statement that Minute Maid Park, home to the Houston Astros, that has hasn't suffered too much damage. So that's some good news. Uh, um, what what? Uh, uh, yeah, I think NR- I haven't heard anything about NRG, and I think that's one of the things about Katrina. If we think back, the Superdome just got walled. I mean, that was supposed to be a place of safe haven, and you know, panels came coming out. You know, water was gushing in the sewer. I mean, it was it was just a stinky situation overall. You know, with sewage backups and whatnot. I mean, and, and these people are stranded. 
at least Houston doesn't. You have people stranded at on homes, but they haven't. There are evacuation centers in and around the city to take people to. However, uh, Joel is it Austin? I believe the yep. yep that that guy apparently he's got a fifty million dollar. He's got a fifty million dollar church. Apparently, he's not opening it up to people. At least he wasn't as of uh, as of Tuesday. Oh. Uh, morning. I, I looking to see if that's changed. Oh, he has said now that it, it has opened. Uh, you know, Tuesday evening it appears that. Well, what what his church is is the old. I believe his church. You can look this up, maybe. His church is the old arena for the Houston Rockets with the Summit. I believe he. I, I believe that's the building that he holds these things every week. So it's, yeah, it's basically just the old Houston Rockets arena. That can hold, you know, 16, 20,000 people. Yeah, so you have, I mean, you had this whole big thing, and it does look like he, you know, has, has it open now, and he says, oh, it was never closed, but then why wouldn't you say something early on here while all these people are... A little late are, now. A little late right now. I mean, it, if, it, if that were the case, you got to tell people. You absolutely have to tell people. Again, he, you know, we talked uh, before, we, uh started the tapes rolling here about a certain somebody and their crazy thoughts. Um, you know, there's just Joel Osteen and, and religion and talks a good game, but then when it comes to something like this, when he actually got to do something, he didn't really do anything. Or if he did, it's just too late. So, yeah, it kind of showed what he's all about, but I'm sure his followers don't care. Right. Well, at least now, you know, the good part is, I guess he has opened the door. So that's that's good news for everyone there. And again, you know, thoughts, prayers are with everyone. If you want to go help uh, these people, I mean, J.J. Watt has raised oh, well over two million dollars. His goal was what, like a was a hundred thousand or one. He was going to match a hundred thousand. And, you know, Chris Paul throws in 50,000. Uh, the Houston Rockets owners are throwing in like 10 million. Uh, the, the, the Shrunks. Uh, I believe that that's the name of the the people who own the Tennessee Titans, or at least uh, partly own the Titans. They were originally the Houston Oilers. They are donating quite a bit of money. So I mean, this is exceeding uh, far and wide here. But you can you can donate uh, with JJ Watt's cause. I'll try and get that link here for you, or if you have that pulled up, um, you can give that to folks. You got the Red Cross. So if you have any sort of you know, if you have a few bucks to spare. Um, there, there are a lot of people who are going to need this, and this is the will be the biggest disaster here, no doubt. But uh, you know, hopefully they can get back to it uh, as it relates to the sports side of things. Well, well, considering the city of Houston, how many ever hundreds or billions of dollars they spent on new stadiums for baseball and football, yeah, they can. The owners can probably give a couple million dollars. I would hope. At least, and you know what? It's really not going to to help. Uh, I mean, it, it's going to any anything helps. I shouldn't I shouldn't say that. That that's wrong of me to say. Uh, any any donation helps, but you know, one million and what's going to be like hundreds of billions of dollars. Um, especially when these guys are billionaires, doesn't seem like a lot, but they are giving. So I'm not. I can't. I can't sit here and and criticize them necessarily with with what they're doing. Yeah, the the Strunks, uh, who who own the Titans, donating a million dollars here. Uh, let's see what else. It Titans would probably found. be like you or me donating fifty bucks. Is probably what it would be. Yep. You can go to youcaring.com/slash/jjwatt 
and he has now upped the goal to five million dollars. They've they've reached four million. They're going to go for five million. I am going to see what I can do to donate a few bucks to that, and also to the to the Red Cross. You can uh, the United Way, and this is not a PSA, or I mean, this is not a fundraising podcast for them. But I mean, you you look at this, and how how can you not feel sorry? How do you know you see the all these people walking in water, their homes destroyed. They have what little possessions they have, you know, just carrying it on their back. You know, they're rescuing animals and stuff. I saw, you know, the video of a, a rancher getting his horses out of a, a gate. You know, flood waters. I mean, the, the water's up to the to the horses. You know, past his stomach. You know, close to the chest. It's just it, you see these videos, and it's it's imp- incredibly hard not to not not to uh, just just be incredibly saddened by what by this uh natural disaster and but it, at the same time it is refreshing and rewarding to see everyone pitch in and help one another you know the neighbors are helping one another uh of course obviously what jj watt is doing is incredibly commendable and i would hope other athletes i, I mentioned chris paul donating fifty thousand. he's been in the city what two weeks <laughs> i mean that's that's what it seems like so they're they're doing an absolutely incredible job. So go wherever you can. Uh, like I say Red Cross, uh, United Way of Houston, uh, you know, Feed the Children. I've seen uh, JJ Watts. Youcaring uh, dot com slash JJ Watt is the site. So do whatever you can. Um, like I said, I'm going to try and see what I can do to help donate a few bucks. Anything helps, and uh, yeah, it's just a terrible situation. And as it relates to sports wise. Here, uh, of course, the Texans were supposed to be playing the Cowboys this week, but they are playing that game on Thursday in Jerry World in Dallas. I would hope that proceeds from that game will go to uh, to Houston and you know Southeast Texas. Here, uh, the Astros are playing a home series against the Texas Rangers at Tropicana Field this week, and that's only because the Rangers and they're getting some slack for this, but. I understand in part why they didn't want to do it. They, you know, the Astros asked, well, hey, can we swap a home and home series with them, with you? You know, we go to play in Texas here this week, and then you come to Houston in September, and we'll play there. But that would give the the, the Rangers four consecutive road series, and they said, you know, that just doesn't, that doesn't work. And, you know, we're thinking of the fans who already bought tickets and stuff. It just... That doesn't necessarily pass the smell test. Would you, I mean? I understand to a degree, but think of the magnitude here of which of what's going on. And, and it's not like Texas is. Yes, they're in the wild card hunt, but they're not really in the wild card hunt. You know. Yes. Yeah, I thought it was kind of stupid. Then yeah, you know, <clears throat> 12, 13 straight on the road. Whatever it would be wouldn't be great. But then uh, you know what, second? Well, let's see. I kind of found a solution. I don't know here. Um, they play all division teams. Let's see. The last three weeks of the season, Rangers play exclusively in their division. So you can move some of these games here. Um, they play uh, Oakland, second to last week of the year. Maybe switch that series. Um, they play Oakland the last four games of the year at home. Maybe play those at Oakland. So you can switch it there. Um, if they wanted to make it work, they could. I don't know, maybe the Raiders have a home game on that Sunday, so that would be difficult. 
but uh, yeah, they're they're I mean they're they're around the playoffs, but if they wanted to make it work, they could have. Um, they play the Angels this weekend. Is I believe Texas can Texas play? I believe Dallas. Dallas is fine. Yep. So they could have uh, switched the series with the Angels this weekend. They will go out west, and then uh, you come back here uh, later on in the year. So you wouldn't have those a four straight series on the road. You'd only have three straight. So if Texas wanted to make it work, they could um, get this trip for Texas. They're in Tampa right now. Yes. And they get to go, uh, well, this ain't too bad. They get to go back home, I assume, on Friday. Then they have to go to Atlanta, and they have to go to New York. So they have four straight series. Now, let's see. They make that seven. They have seven straight series at different places. They do not have back-to-back series in the same location. So they're in the start of that right now. That's that's rather incredible here. Uh, what what was what was the date that we were looking at here regarding the Raiders? Oh my, let's see, last day of the year, October first. October first. Okay, I'm pulling that up here right now. Uh, see what they have it. Yeah, even so, or why you know what you could do? How about a doubleheader on Saturday and get a you know a rare, a, a very rare that they never have this, but a, a Sunday off day. I mean you. I mean that that's something that you could do. And it's not like Oakland's in the in the thick of it either. Uh let's let's see if it's We're in Kansas City, play somewhere. Yeah. Let so let's uh I'm I'm pulling this up here. It's a we're being I a little slow here. I think Houston is playing Tampa next, so Houston can stay in Tampa for a week. And maybe that's why they are doing it, I mean, I'm sure that's why they moved it to Tropicana Field to to try and minimize the the traveling situation as much as possible for the Astros. Thankfully, they are running away, of course, with the AL West, so no one is really in contention with them at all. So, it, I mean, that's at least it's not going to impact their playoff hopes at all by any stretch. College football-related, uh, BYU and LSU scheduled to play at NRG Stadium. That's moved to New Orleans, uh, to the Superdome. Same time, uh, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 8.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. Houston's game with Texas San Antonio is postponed. Uh, they will try and figure that out at a later date. Uh, Sam Houston State against Richmond. That game was supposed to be... They, that was supposed to be last Saturday. They postponed that to this week. They will play that in uh, Waco, Texas. So, uh, again, sports being minor uh, in comparison here. But I even saw on Pro Football Talk, uh, Mike Florio said what would be... Yeah, you you never heard of him. No, neither is Stephen A. Smith. Neither is Stephen A. Um, But he said, by the way, the, the Raiders, October 1st, are in Denver. So, uh, so there you go. But uh, no, I totally lost my train of thought. What the hell was I talking about? Oh yeah, Schedule, yeah. Schedules Flor- and games Florio and said that 
yeah, Florio said, you know, I mean, who knows if Houston will even be ready to host a game here in a couple of weeks. Why not uh, swap home and home games with Jacksonville? That though that would give them three straight home games, and uh, the Texans would have three straight home games there in December, uh, and the Jaguars would have three straight road games. So minor, but you could do it. And the Texans have said that they are going to play for Houston, and I've been thinking all along. We'll get to the NFL preview here next year that the Texans were going to make the playoffs here I was thinking maybe they would win the AFC South but I don't know I don't think they're going to be displaced but this this is kind of like the New Orleans Saints when Katrina hit and they had to go play in San Antonio and Baton Rouge and they had a home game against the Giants in week two it did it sort of feels like that could happen here don't you think yeah it could be don't know we'll have to see uh, who it looks like the next week see where they have to go yep that that's right uh but uh yeah again thoughts and prayers with everyone there in houston on to some other things uh as you know houston's fighting the uh the flooding and you know hurricane harvey and southeast texas of course dealing with it there was a big fight in las vegas uh between Connor mcgregor and floyd mayweather uh I did not watch it. I will let you describe it, but it sounds like uh, McGregor was good through the first three or four rounds, and then afterward Mayweather took over and TKO'd him in the 10th. Good fight, better than I thought. I was worried after three rounds because Mayweather didn't do anything. Uh, The issue here that nobody discusses is what the judges had, and the judges were awful. Uh, Some of them had like 9-1. to Mayweather McGregor, and I don't see how anybody could possibly have given Mayweather any of the first three rounds. He threw six punches in the first. I mean, he, McGregor was dominating, and a couple of judges gave some of the first three rounds to him, so that's an embarrassment again. You had the thing in Australia a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that boxing's biggest problem right now is dog shit like this, to where it's one guy throws six punches, the other lands like 20, and they give it to the guy that threw six punches. So that's an embarrassment. Boxing's a joke. Um, they have a big fight coming up in uh, the middle of September. Yep, I was just going to That's probably going to get pretty big, like a million buys probably. But um, other than that, I mean, Mayweather's gone. Uh, he says he's not fighting. There's no reason for him to fight. He's 40 years old. Um, didn't look good. So... I don't know who the next uh, big money guy for boxing is going to be. But the fight was good. McGregor is a star, came out of it better, and he came into it. Uh, People were surprised he did well. Yep. Uh, I think it's a Triple G, not wrestling related, but Triple G against Canelo Alvarez. Um I know it's I know it's Alvarez and I think everyone kind of refers you know what, to the other guy. Order that out pay per view. Yeah, probably probably not. But uh, but that's what they were talking about uh, afterward. I guess I heard people saying that you know what this maybe mixed martial arts folks, you know the MMA folks, the Ultimate Fighting folks who bought this to watch Conor McGregor. Maybe maybe some of them will buy this match against uh, Canil. Uh, you know, Alvarez against uh, who he's going against in September. Maybe they'll do that. Maybe other people who just wanted to watch the fight, maybe they're more interested in this fight now. Alvarez, I think, is the best boxer out there currently. uh, Or the biggest name, and even he's not that big of a name at all. But, um... 
I, and I shouldn't say he's 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 a big name, but just not among the mainstream sports by any chance. So that could help boxing there. Uh, so we'll see. I, I think they will get a a higher number here for this fight as a result of McGregor Mayweather um, than if if uh, if this was just the next fight and, it, and Mayweather McGregor never happened. Okay. Yeah, there's some crossover between. The wrestling folks and the UFC folks and the boxing folks, so it should it should do well. It's a legitimately very good fight. The uh, Triple G, he's like thirty five. Um, he is undefeated, and you have Alvarez, who is still only like twenty seven, twenty eight years old, and he's like forty eight and one, forty nine and one. And his one loss was to Mayweather about four years ago. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's probably the biggest fight you could put on, I would say, in boxing right now. Yep. It's good. Yes. Yep. It's very good. And uh, again, I, I have to say, I was impressed by uh, McGregor being able to kind of last ten rounds. I'm glad people got their money's worth because I thought it probably wouldn't happen. So the fight, I guess, even though I didn't watch it or even find out about who won until the next morning, it, that exceeded my expectations. So that's good news, I guess, uh, from that standpoint. So uh, fight's done. Uh, we can all get back to our regularly scheduled lives, but. Glad the fight uh, happened the way it did. Uh, we all go talk baseball here. Uh, the Twins. Uh, Byron Buxton is playing incredibly well right now. Uh, hit three home runs in Sunday's game against Toronto. Uh, he's really on a, not say a tear, but he's hitting. No, he is. Oh, he is. you you would call it a tear? Okay. Uh, oh, I mean well, he's he's batting so well right now that the Yankees are looking at him and saying, "Hey, Aaron Judge, you need to sit down for a few games uh, because yeah. you need to." to uh, emulate what uh, Byron Buxton's doing. But the Twins, five-game series in Chicago didn't go well. They only won two games, but they went north of the border to Toronto, won two of the three. They're still uh, leading the wild card race. So, uh, good things to see from the Minnesota Twins. Uh, yeah, Ori Polanco, uh, who was doing awful, was all of a sudden because he's hitting home runs left and right. I think he had three home runs a couple weeks ago. He just hit another one. He's got like four or five. Uh, that's incredible for a guy who's not a home run hitter. Um, if Byron Buxton hits like this, he's like the best player in baseball. So if you take your worst offensive player and one of the worst outfielders offensively in baseball, and all of a sudden over the course of a month, he becomes like the best on your team and one of the best in baseball, that is a huge difference. You're yes. going from... The worst to the best. That is a huge difference. People talk about making trades and, and all of this stuff. I mean, if you can have that on your team, that is insanity. So right now, uh, yeah, he's playing almost as good as anybody, and Blanco is uh, playing just as well. Blanco's doing even a little better than Buxton, and Buxton's been very good. So, yeah, right now they're in the... Uh, Leading that uh, playoff race, and uh, they got a very easy schedule, and I think they're gonna. I think they'll be playing the Yankees, so it's uh, it's good, very yeah. good, very and, exciting. Y- yes, and and they're doing this despite injuries to Miguel Sano, who's on the ten day DL. Uh, who was it? Yeah, the seven day DL for concussion. Yep. Castro. Uh, yep. So, I mean, they're doing this despite some injuries. So that's good to see. And again, you know, after they had really, you know, they traded Kinsler to the Nationals, that seemed that appeared to be the white flag, or they were waving the towel on the season. 
and they have come roaring back here. Uh, anything else from last week in baseball that uh, that really caught your attention? I'm talk about Reese Hoskins. Yes, 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 please. Uh, how many people do you think would know who Reese Nobody? Hopkins is? Okay, no one. Okay, even uh, even the fans of the the team he plays for. You don't even know who the hell he is. I, I do now. I, I, I do now. Uh, be, I found out about him a couple of days ago. I could see you having trouble with this guy's name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have the trouble with the simple names. You think I'm going to get Reese Hopkins? Uh, uh, remember him forever? Hell no. Here's the deal with Reese Hopkins. He has 11 home runs in 18 games. His first 18 games. So that would be an all-time record. Um, that'd be a record for somebody's first 29 games, let alone the first 18. So he's with the Phillies, and uh, he's a big home run hitter. And uh, he had 38 home runs last year in Double A in 135 games. So he's an exciting young player. He's 24 years old. Um, what I find interesting is that the big story with Trevor's story was the story of baseball through the first month, and he hit all these home runs. But he's been eclipsed in the past year by two guys: this Hoskins guy being one of them, and there's this guy with Paul. Have you heard of Paul DeYoung? I have not, no. Uh, I, 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 I think I have, but I, I, maybe what, what once or twice. What team do you think he plays for? What team do you think he plays for? I was going to say Milwaukee. Close. He plays for the. Uh, he plays for the Cardinals. Okay. Paul DeYoung is a guy who uh, did better than Trevor Story did, and he's got 20 home runs in his first 75 games. And uh, he was on a Trevor Story-like tear. He was better than Trevor Story. But nobody talked about this guy because they called him up in the middle of the year. And he was just completely ignored for whatever reason. Probably because he's with the Cardinals, uh, some random white guy, and uh, wasn't much expected. And he did it in the middle of the year. And he didn't start off the year with like 10 home runs in the first month. So all the young race Hoskins, two guys nobody knows of. They had done better than Trevor Story did last year in his first month, and uh, they're both rookies. Uh, we shouldn't. Uh, speaking of home runs, Giancarlo Stanton is on an absolute tear. He had another one Tuesday night. He's uh, so currently, I believe, at 51 right now as we're recording this podcast. Uh, but he absolutely lit up the Padres last week. Uh, and then whoever they played in the series before, he had a few home runs in that one, too. Uh, the Marlins are playing really good baseball right now, but Stanton is doing something that we haven't seen in ages, you know, maybe even since, you know, you know the, the Sosa and McGuire and Barry Bonds hit his 73. Yes, that's fine. And I think what's even more remarkable about Stanton, and, you know, here, God willing, that he is – doing this absolutely clean and I tend to believe he is but I mean it it would be devastating if he does test positive for a banned substance but he's no pitchers can't do anything against him because he can take it opposite field he can take it you know he can hit it low he can hit it high he can hit it away inside out I mean he hits it all over the guy is on an absolute tear and I mean we, I, I, sixty-three is definitely in the in the making here. I, I he's going to surpass Roger Maris's, you know, at, at sixty-one, right? Yep. 
Maris had 61. He's going to surpass that. I'm going to say he ends up with 63, 64, 65, somewhere in there. I mean, through August 29th, he's belted 18 home runs in the month of August alone. And... I don't know if he can keep this up for years to come, but if he does, we are witnessing something awfully special. You're very excited about this man. I lo- yes, absolutely. How can you not be excited I- about him? I mean, it, it's almost must-see TV every time he gets up to bat, at least right now. I mean, he's hitting 63 home runs, maybe even a little more at this pace. He's all of a sudden vaulted himself to probably even probably going to be the MVP of the National League just kind of coming out of I can't believe the odds uh, you could have taken for Stan to be MVP after the All-Star break yeah, he's cut he strikes out a lot he's cut down on that he's swinging at better pitches so um, he was like Aaron Judge before Aaron Judge now Judge is, is terrible and Stanton home run derby was great and um, yeah he's putting on a all-time historic season uh, you look at the guys that have hit over 60. You got Sosa, he did the drugs. McGuire, A-Rod, and Bonds all did stuff. So I'm sure the discussion has already started about uh, the home run record. And it would it would be pretty exciting if it was still at 61. Um, and you have Stanton, who's always been a big guy. That's always hit the ball far and hard. Um, him and Judge hit it harder than anybody. So I think he's going to, you know, probably 63 is the number I think. So uh, that's exciting, and uh, maybe he gets traded, maybe he doesn't, but um, he's going to make a lot of money, and um, probably going to hit five, six hundred home runs. If he can stay healthy, that's not a problem. Stay healthy. I mean, I I was the guy who immediately after Rory McIlroy won, like, what, two majors in a row or like two of his first three. I was like, oh man, this guy's going to win. He's going to break Jack Nicklaus's record. I had him at 22 or 23. I mean, that's, that's still, that still could happen, but it's highly unlikely at this point. I would, I would put uh, Jordan Spieth on a better, in a better position to do that. Though, um, as our friend David Schottenkirk has mentioned multiple times and even tweeted at me, golf has a lot of stars and they do, they do. They have a lot of good young stars, but they need those stars to keep winning. Like the Justin Thomas's, because that's the next young wave. Thomas and uh, McElroy and and Spieth. But uh, the golf, the golf on Sunday, which I didn't, I watched a couple holes. If that didn't watch the end of it, yeah, Dustin Johnson, yeah, Jordan Spieth, and a goddamn playoff. That that was perfect. That yes. was perfect. Ratings were up during their FedEx Cup bullshit now that nobody cares about. The ratings were good, and if you have those guys in the mix, you have a duel. Give me a duel. If you have four or five guys you can pick from. Those guys, Roy McIlroy, a couple others. Those guys go head to head. That's what we want. Yes. That's what that's what they got Sunday, and it works. So do that again in a major, and people will be excited. Yes, yes, and that's what they need to do. They absolutely need the consistency there. Uh, but to bring it back to the to the conversation about Stanton, so I was a little, I, I jumped the gun a little bit here. I was a little premature with my uh, with my. Uh, expectations for McElroy, and I'm trying to tone that down. I'm trying to keep it in now with, with regards to Stanton. But he's young still. He's not even 30, and he is he's going to exceed 300 home runs easily by next year before he's you know the age of 30. We're, we're seeing, I think, like you said, 600 is not out of the question, and I think he can even push it more. Uh Provided he stay healthy, uh, last year was it last year or two years ago when he got hit in the in the jaw? I think it was last year. 
Yeah, a couple years. I mean, he was on a tear, and the Marlins were looking good. And then he got hit. His season was done, and the Marlins faded. Last year, again, the Marlins not great. Stanton, though, he seems to be comfortable with that helmet and that you know that that extension to protect his jaw. I, it's unbelievable what he's doing, and I, I can't wait to see him continue to bomb him out. And uh, I, I really think, I, again, I'm trying to keep the expectations low, but uh, if there's a guy out there right now who could possibly do it, I, wouldn't the money be on Giancarlo Stanton? For all-time record? Yeah, out of, out of all the guys right now. Uh, I mean, Aaron Judge is in a bit of a slump right now, but he's, of course, really he's good. You know, then maybe this Reese Hoskins or whatever. If there's a guy right now that you're looking at to say, "Hey, if if anyone can approach the the home run record, it would be this guy." Who would you take above Stanton? Probably nobody right now. There's like, you know, there's um, yeah, Mike Trout. He'll hit 200. He needs six more for 200. He's a 25. Um, if Trout plays until he's 40, he's got a pretty good chance of getting 600. So I would say uh, those two guys, number yep. one, number two. Yep, absolutely. And I'm, and I'm not, like I say, I'm trying not to be a prisoner of the moment with Stanton, but it is absolutely remarkable. Well, he's, halfway to, he's almost halfway to 600, so hey, he's only 27. So, yeah, he could get to, I mean, he could easily get to uh, 400 home runs by the time he's 30, 31 years old. So, yep. yeah, that's... Uh, you're at that fine right there. Yeah. Yep. So I'm, I'm getting on this bandwagon here with Stanton, and uh, I hope he just keeps on crushing him and crushing him. Uh, anything this week uh, that you're looking forward to on the baseball schedule? Anything, uh, you know, we got your hitter, your pitcher of the week that you that no one's ever heard of, or is that the Reese Hoskins? Those two guys, Hoskins, the young. Um, twins have to sweep Chicago. Anything less is a goddamn embarrassment. Um, they got to be two out of three against Kansas City, five and one. They got to start picking it up here. Uh, four and four last week was good enough to gain. Angels were hot. They lost, I think, two of seven last week. So uh, the Royals are the worst team alive. They haven't scored in four games. They finally scored against Tampa on Tuesday night. They went what forty innings without scoring for God's sake. Yeah, so four straight and, games of forty-three innings. Uh, uh, it, it was forty-three entering Tuesday. Let's. Uh, let's yeah, it, was, it was the worst. Since they lowered the mound, or they they raised the mound in '68, so the worst in modern baseball history of the past 50 years, damn near. So <laughs> they're bad. Um, the Twins need to crush these teams. Yes, and just keeping on the Royals here. Has any is a team had more up and downs this year than the Kansas City Royals? I mean, they were on a tear. They started out terrible. Their offense was absolute garbage, and then all of a sudden they kind of they, they really started to pick things up, and they made a big move at the trade deadline, and now uh, they, they've fallen off the wagons offensively. Is, is there any other team this year that has the the roller coaster ride that Kansas City's been on that you can think of. Um, this one team comes to mind that would be our Astros, who have been goddamn atrocious um, in the second half. But um, I'm concerned about Houston because uh, they're not playing very well at all. Um, they were 30 at the All Star break. They were 32 games over 500 at the All Star break. Mm-hmm. Now they are 18. So they're 14 games under in the All-Star break. So that is bad. Um, yeah, 14 games under the last two months. Um, 
they're probably not even going to win 100 games. They were on pace to win 110. So uh, not not impressed with our Houston club. So they still got a month. Um, be better because right now they suck. Kansas City, by the way, scored in the third inning on Tuesday night. So that was 45 consecutive innings, if I if my math does serve me correct, that they went without scoring a run. That's not good. That's not good. That's tough yeah. to do. Very tough so to hopefully, do. So hopefully the Twins can keep winning, stay in that, uh, in that wild card lead here. I mean, the Yankees are skidding a little bit. They're, they're three back, so that's not bad. They're staying within striking distance. Got, of, yeah. Yankees have... Cleveland and Boston at home. Um, good chance for the Twins to pick up a game or two, and they still play the Yankees once at New York. So I'm not counting out the uh, first wild card spot. So I think no. Twins got to get going here, gain on the Yankees. And you know what? <laughs> if the if the Yankees be, beat the Indians too, that wouldn't be bad as, as long as the Twins keep winning. The Twins are yeah. within, still within no. somewhat striking distance, though it's still seven games back of Cleveland, and Cleveland's playing really well right now. I don't anticipate that they're going to slide and that the Twins will be able to win the AL Central, but it's still they're still not completely yeah. out of the mix. There's only 30 games left, so they got to, yeah. It's highly Wild unlikely, cards. but... Uh, Talk to me when they're ten out, and then uh, then I'll say, okay, yep, not going to happen. So that's a that's baseball here, and uh, uh, quickly just a note on NFL preseason action week three. This is the, supposed to be the dress rehearsal. Oh yes, and yes. Uh, what happened here? We we saw significant injuries uh, to multiple, t- uh, you know. For multiple teams here, uh, started out Friday night. Julian Edelman non-contact injury went down, grabbed his knee, torn ACL. So the Patriots lose a weapon, and it's a significant one because of how Brady always looks for Edelman in the slot, and he's very you know shifty. He's very good, and uh, but at the same time. This is why the Patriots brought in Brandon Cooks, who should see more of an increased role. They have uh, Malcolm Mitchell, another wide receiver. Chris Hogan stands to probably uh, get a little more of a look here and, and some balls toss his way. You still have Gronk, who's the most con- you know Brady's go-to guy whenever he can. So the, the Edelman loss is significant, but it is not going to uh, impede them from winning the division and probably going 14-2-15-1 or even undefeated. Who's more likely to win the division, the Patriots or the Warriors? Ooh. Who would you bet your life on winning the division? I would bet the. I, I, I would. I would bet on the Warriors. <laughs> Brady can get hurt. Um, yep. That can happen. Yep. Um, he got the one. I think he's he's made the playoffs every year but one. That's uh, pretty good. Yep, and that's not counting the year he got injured when Matt Castle took over and the Patriots still went 11-5. Well, it was the 2000, one of those years after they won the Super Bowl, 2002, 2003, they didn't make it early on. They made it every year but that. The record is like nine in a row, and they would have had the record had Brady not gotten hurt. But they have like a streak of seven, eight in a row, and then they've made it the past seven, eight years. So, yeah, they're really good. I think people... I think people are maybe a bit much, maybe a bit much on New England undefeated and all this stuff. Um, I would hold. I mean, they're probably going to win 13, 14 games, but uh, then, let's bump the brakes on undefeated. Talk. They did release uh, Coney Ely, who had the three sacks oh, in the Super my. Bowl for the Carolina Panthers. Had a bad year last year. The Jets picked him up. Um, 
So the, it is what it is. Uh, the only team that has a, a chance, a remote chance to take down the, the Patriots is the Miami Dolphins, but that's provided that Jay Cutler plays out of his freaking mind. Uh, the the oh. defense stays uh, – the defense is good, but I don't foresee Miami uh, having much of a chance at all. The Bills, uh, they're looking to 2018 in the, in the draft, and the Jets uh, are an embarrassment. Uh, Josh McCown, starting quarterback there. Other injury news from Friday night, uh, Spencer Ware, Kansas City Chiefs running back, went down with a PCL injury, maybe an LCL damage as well. Uh, anywhere from two to eight weeks, but possibly season ending. If there's, uh, So that's not good for Kansas City, but they do have Kareem Hunt. So that's that. And then on Sunday... Hey, hey, hey language, language, hey. Well, what did I say? Kareem Hunt. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Yes, we, we are a family program here on the Sports Block Podcast. And then uh, Sunday, the Bears don't appear to have m- much offensively. Uh, Kevin White, uh, wide receiver a couple years ago from West Virginia, who they are highly, re- you know, they think is very good, but he's been injured. He hasn't proven himself yet through two years. They do have Victor Cruz, the salsa man, doing his stuff. Uh, Jordan Howard's a good running back, but Cameron Meredith really turned it on last year. Was a lone bright spot for a three and thirteen Bears team. He went down with a nasty knee injury, ACL injury, possibly more damage to the knee. Uh, he's done for the year. So the Bears lose one of their best offensive weapons, which wasn't saying much to begin with. But that's a significant loss for a Bears team that's maybe going to win three games this year. Cameron Meredith, I mean, Meredith is a woman's name, Cameron, more of a boy's name. I suppose it could be a girl's name. The rare uh, person, the rare male that has two women's names is his name. That's a great analysis by you. <laughs> great analysis. I didn't, I, didn't know, I didn't know Cameron Meredith was a person. He's my Reese Hoskins. He's my Paul DeYoung. Didn't know he existed. Okay. <laughs> and so he told me who the hell he was on Sunday. There, there you go. And then finally, um, the Vikings on Sunday night looked terrible. Uh, first string did. The offensive line, I will say this. Yes, Sam Bradford had three sacks. There was sacked three times. Was running for his life on a couple of them. And it did a nice little spin move. Got the ball to the Latavius Murray. That was nice. I do think the ground game is going to be much better this year. Dalvin Cook looks like he's doing something. Uh, Latavius Murray certainly looks like he can be a weapon. But that offensive line has got to be better. But I was most disappointed by the defense. Uh Marquise Goodwin is very fast. He made the USA Olympic track team or tried out for him. Uh, he's got some speed, but there are a lot of broken coverages there. Harrison Smith was very upset about the way the, the Vikings defense played on Sunday, and rightfully so. They looked terrible. That was the that was the biggest eye-opening thing to me from the Vikings preseason game. Though they won 32-31, that's great. Uh, the, the starting offense has got to be better. Yeah, defense was disappointing. Uh, I'm fine. I don't know. They'll blitz more. They'll be more aggressive. I don't think Zimmer's doing anything defensively for the preseason. So I'm fine with that. Um, yeah, offense is bad uh, from what I saw. It, offensive line's terrible. Offensive line is terrible. But uh, we'll wait until the games count. Hopefully they're better. Uh, running game can't get, much, it can't get much worse. And I just see like an eight and eight year from last year because they didn't do again. I will just put this on record. 
the offensive line, they didn't do anything to help. They yeah. didn't do enough. And, 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 to, and to your blatantly point. Blatantly obvious. Blatantly yeah. goddamn obvious. A month ago, it's fucking obvious now. <laughs> it's going to be obvious probably by week eight. It's bad. Boy, what a goddamn waste of a season. Probably the least I've looked forward to the Viking season in my life. This this sucks. The, to your Everybody po- else is fine. Line sucks. To, to your point, uh, Reef I think, was like 21st out of 38 last year in terms of tackles, and uh, Remmers was 25th out of 38, and he's moving sides. He was on the left. He's now on the right, and he, you know, Cam Newton got hurt kind of as a result of him. So, yeah, the, the offensive line definitely was not good. Uh, there is some depth, though, there. I think the, there's like a Harris guy. He's uh, He's been very good. Uh, he's got some potential. Uh, but, yeah, not good. The Vikings are definitely going to have to do it. But to be fair, San Francisco's front four is pretty pretty solid. You got a couple first-round picks up there. Uh, Reuben Foster was a, a beast among boys. Um, so, But still, n- not impressive. Not good at all. Uh, I do, though, like is this. Is T.J. Clemens on this? T.J. Clemens is still on this team somehow? No, no, Case Keenum. It's Case Keenum. T.J. Clemens. Oh, T.J. I'm sorry, T.J. Clemens. I was thinking of uh, Kellen Clemens. Or whatever. Uh, um, no. Uh, I think he still is. Ow. Why? What the hell for? <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. How, how, do, how do how does someone perform their job so poorly as he did last year? And and, and yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have you back. Get rid of him. How how do meteorologists be wrong fifty percent of the time? Uh, especially well, like in this Houston thing, how do they keep their jobs? At least the weatherman basing their stuff on graphs and and facts somewhat facts and they're basing it on data they get the data they say okay this is what it's going to be there's going to be a 30 percent 40 percent chance of rain this is what we think the weather changes um i'm amazed that we can predict anything christ sakes they they know that this uh lunar eclipse or solar eclipse or whatever the hell it is they know the exact date it's going to happen in 2024 how do they know this i have no idea but they know it and uh weatherman whatever T.J. Clemmings, one of the worst people at his jobs, among all Americans at any job that they hold, and he's still making hundreds of thousands of dollars to do something very poorly. Uh, let's just see. Yes, he is still there. Um, I, I, don't, I doubt he'll keep his job, but he, he was raw to begin with coming out. Um, so, yeah. Whoops. Yeah, <laughs> he does. Uh, we'll see what the Vikings can do, though. Um so yeah, it's about about all I got here, uh, regards to that. Let's get to the to the meat and potatoes though of this uh, podcast. Fifty minutes in here. Oh, by the way, uh, Harvey, as we're recording this, is still a tropical storm. It's not a it's not a depression. Still a tropical storm. Uh, and uh, but let's get to college football here. College football season. It did kick off last week. You had Stanford and Rice. That was so much fun. Not uh, South Florida almost gave everyone a scare by the way they looked for the first uh, quarter and a half before they pantsed San Jose State. Oregon State looks incredibly awful. And, um, yeah, UMass and Hawaii did something. So that was fun. Uh, 
but it really kicks off here this week. It got a number of good games here, but let's uh, be, before we look to that, let's look at the college football season. Uh, we'll go through the the conferences, what you're looking at here, who you're predicting. We'll start with the uh, we'll go east to west, or do you want to go west to east? Oh, north to south. How about north to south? Okay, let's start with the big. No, how about? Yeah, wherever you want to go. Okay, let's start. Uh, we'll go east to west. We'll start because that's alphabetical too. Uh, we'll go with the ACC. Uh, of course, Clemson won the national championship last year. They've been there two that's straight right. years. That's right. That's right. Our Clemson Tigers. I, I got on board with you here on this one. So, but you, you you've been pushing that uh, Clemson uh, train for a while, that bandwagon. Uh, no, Deshaun Watson. 2010. Though. <laughs> yes. That's right. 2010. 2011. Uh, no, no, Deshaun Watson. He went to the NFL. They, they lost Mike Williams, but they bring back. They still have a very good defense from uh, all accounts. They have some decent freshmen and some young guys coming in, so they should be good. But it appears that this is going to be Florida State's division. You still have the reigning Heisman Trophy winner in, Le- in Levar, uh, Lamar Jackson in there. Miami's going to be better with Mark Richt. And, of course, watch out for Justin Fuente and the Virginia Tech Hokies. My Hokies. Uh, let's go. Uh just get by East Carolina, then then, then we're good. Just got to get by East Carolina and then in Miami later on. But uh, well, what do you look at for the ACC? How do you see this playing out? Again, three best teams are in the Atlantic, Florida State, Clemson, Louisville. I'm probably more down on Clemson than others. I'm probably, I probably like Louisville more than others. I think Louisville's got a bit of a dog shit of a schedule. Uh, Florida State and Clemson, other than that, they should run the table. I think they beat my Clemson squad, so I think Louisville goes 11-1. and I think Florida State loses to Alabama, then wins the rest of their games. But uh, the Atlantic, a good three-team race. And uh, the Coastal, seems like it's always a goddamn mess. Um, even though apparently sources say that Gatech and Vatech have won the conference eight of the past ten years. I uh, like your Gatech team. Um, you like my like Gatech or Vatech? Vatech, and then I guess I am. Uh, I am. Uh, there was a lot of talk uh, post boxing match on Saturday about shooting loads and such, which I thought was inappropriate. Um, Del Palantonio among them asking Mayweather about load shooting from McGregor. Um, so I'm probably overshooting my load here, as we were uh, on Gatech. So I have them. Uh, winning, uh, winning ten games for whatever goddamn reason. So Paul Johnson do something there. Uh, ACC, uh, interesting, goddamn interesting for once. How about that? The ACC. Well, it's got it's got really good teams, and it's got your terrible teams. You know, Wake Forest, Boston College, Syracuse. Who might be better? I think Pittsburgh's going to take a step back because they've lost you know their offensive coordinator. They lost Connor, their running back, uh, Peterman, the, their quarterback. So I think Pittsburgh's in for a down year. I don't even see them being bowl bound here. I see them being five and seven. Oh, uh, oh, UNC, oh. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yep, Pittsburgh. Oh my heavens. Um, you know, North Carolina probably not. Uh, Georgia Tech is an interesting story. They were what like three and nine, four and eight a couple of years ago. Didn't expect them to do much last year, and they, they ended up making a bowl game, if I recall. Um, 
or you know playing somewhat decent. Uh, Virginia Tech has to go down to Georgia Tech. They do have to go to Miami for, uh, for a couple of games. And Mark Richt, of course, is going to get Miami back there. But they don't have Brad Kaya. That's a little concerning there for me. But uh, I mean, Virginia Tech's getting in their new quarterback since Gerard Evans left. So I, I really can't say too much on that front. But yeah, and it, it, looking on on the other side too, I think Clemson, Florida State, and Louisville are all going to finish with 10 wins. It's just a matter of who's losing what game and because of Florida State is going to lose to Alabama, they're going to lose one conference game. I believe that will be to Clemson. And uh, I do see them taking on Virginia Tech in the ACC title game. Because I'm a homer with Virginia Tech. That's the only reason I'm, pay- I'm taking Virginia Tech. Oh. Yeah, Florida, uh, Virginia Tech's going to be good. I've got them going 10-2, and two, uh, losing to God Tech, at God Tech. Um, I think they beat Clemson at Virginia Tech. So, yeah, I've got the ACC for four teams with 10 or more wins. I'm just yep. increasingly high on this conference for whatever reason. I think I have, I think I have five teams uh, Jeez, you got Clemson winning ten. I have, They're I have, Cle- yeah, I have Clemson winning ten. Let's uh, see if I. Florida do. State, Louisville, Clemson, Virginia Tech. That's we have probably Miami as well. Like Miami. Yep. Uh, let's see here. Do I have the? Okay. Yep. I have Miami at ten and two. Virginia Tech eleven and one. Again, I'm a homer. Uh, and then Clemson, Florida State, and Louisville all with ten wins. So I have five teams with at least ten wins. Like I'm, I this to me, I think I'm going to go off the map here with a lot of these uh, with a lot of picks here. Uh, I have a lot of teams finishing with two or fewer losses this year, which is rather insane. But uh, it's what I got. If what you say happens, how can you not say the, the ACC is the best conference? I mean, if you've got five teams with ten wins, I mean, they've got awful teams, so if you want to go deep down, but if you just look at the top half, I mean, no conference is going to have that. So if the ACC does, they're the best. Yeah, yep, and uh, unfortunately, I think they might get shut out of the playoff uh, because yeah. there are some other teams in there that I think are just a little... A little stronger. So um, you have Miami against Florida uh, against Louisville or Florida State in the ACC cha- championship game. Georgia, Georgia Tech. Stack. I'm Georgia sorry, Georgia Tech, Tech against uh, is it against Florida State or Louisville? Yeah, uh, Florida State uh, over Georgia Tech. Florida State advancing. And I do have them in the playoffs. All right, uh, let's go Big Ten. Uh, this is a conference that I am very intrigued by, especially on the East. Uh, I am all in on Penn State after what they showed me in the Rose Bowl against USC. However, it's going to be incredible. I mean, they have the best running back in the country in Saquon Barkley. Uh, I I might like Trace McSorley a little bit than than the other guy, but uh, than than other people out there. But uh, James Franklin, I think, is going to really keep. Uh, this team going, but that brutal three-game stretch, home to Michigan, at Ohio State, at Michigan State, I think that they are going to lose one game in there. I'm predicting it's going to be to Ohio State, and that could... They have a very good chance to still make the playoff, but I think it's... It it just might not happen here for them. Like last year, if if somebody can beat Ohio State, I mean, you're going to have to beat Ohio State. They're the best team. They're the best. They're the favorite. And um, if Ohio State only loses once, I think they're still fine. 
uh, because I don't see anybody else in the East losing less than a game. So you're not going to win it. I don't think you're winning a tiebreaker against Ohio State with one loss. Nope. You're going to need it to lose two. So that's how we got odd situation last year with Penn State, with Penn State winning the conference. Yes. So that's how we got that odd two-way tie, three-way tie, whatever it is. But uh, yeah, I really like Michigan. Um, I have them losing at Penn State. Not a fan of that. I have them losing at Wisconsin. But um, as do I. Yeah, they go. Ohio State's the best team in this conference again. Seem like they've been the best team in this conference for the majority of the past 15 years. I feel like JT Barrett was a fresh... uh, He was a freshman when we were uh, seniors in college. (laughs) He's he's been there a long, long time. And um, they they won a national title with Cardale Jones of all folks. So they're there. Look at that. Yep. Uh, Wisconsin's going to be really good in the East. They have a, a... I don't want to say a dog shit of a schedule, but it's really nope, easy. They do. Uh, they do. Could that keep them out if they suffer one yep. loss? Is that going to keep them out of? Okay, if they even finish with one loss and win the Big Ten, is would one loss still keep them out? If they win the Big Ten, I think they're in because they will have beaten a good team in the Big Ten on the other side. Um, you look at, I mean, what would be their best win? They don't play. Michigan, they don't play Penn State or, or Ohio State. Their best win would be against Michigan. Um, they would need BYU to be very good, and uh, by the looks of it, BYU, not great. So oh, yeah, that, that was the other play. game I forgot. They beat Portland State by 14. <laughs> not great. Take Portland State in the points. So I've got Wisconsin going undefeated and losing to Ohio State, and I don't think they get in. Um, if they win the conference with one loss, or fewer, I think they do get in because um, the Big Ten champs getting in. So. The uh, I'm I'm high on uh, Sky Yuma. I'm you know with uh, with row the boat PJ Fleck himself. Um, I'm probably higher on Minnesota than I should be. I have them for ten wins, but until they can beat. Uh, Wisconsin. I have them losing to them and Michigan. Uh, Northwestern's going to be good. I think I have them for eight wins. Uh, Nebraska, I have them for eight wins. Iowa, I think, is going to be somewhat stinky this year just because Iowa City is somewhat of a smelly place. Uh, uh, Purdue, Illinois, nothing much there. Uh, So I do see Wisconsin winning this pretty easily. Uh, So Wisconsin gets Ohio State in the Big Ten title game. Who do you have and like? Ohio State over Wisconsin. There you go. Um, SEC, uh, I don't know if you've heard this, but uh, Alabama's pretty good. Nick Saban Mm. is a a good head coach, been in the national championship game many a time, lost last year, so he's probably a little salty about that, but does return Jalen Hurts, and, you know, they're going to have a good defense. They're going to have some, you know, Bo Scarborough or whatever, you know, another Alabama running back who just keeps mowing uh, defenders over. I'm curious what uh, Ed Orgeron, you know, go to get some uh, gumbo and so buy yourself a hummer. Get get a hummer and eat some beignets. Uh, Curious what LSU is going to do. I have them much higher than. Uh, than most people and I don't really know why but I do but I have Alabama losing one game that being to Auburn the last week of the regular season Auburn's going to be good they got that Jared Stidham from uh, Baylor that's big Uh, but how do we see the SEC I see it the same as you Alabama losing one game late at Auburn I see him running the table after that 
think um, SEC down a little bit last year because LSU and Auburn were down a bit. So I think Auburn's back at it. Uh, Auburn and Clemson week two. Those are probably my two favorite teams. So that's exciting. Um, at Auburn and LSU. Um, yeah, I see the West, Alabama, basically. Yeah. It's hard not to. I went with LSU last year, and they burned me. Uh, it's it's tough to go with them this year. It, until Alabama, until you beat Alabama, I got to go with Bama. And on the East, it really doesn't matter. I mean, it's going to be a battle between Florida and Georgia. I know you absolutely love Tennessee and Butch Jones. Uh, so. Get the hell out of here. Get the hell out of here. Um, yeah. It's really between those two, but those two programs don't even light a candle next to Alabama. Whoever Alabama meets, assuming they make it to the SEC championship game, and I don't see any reason why they wouldn't, uh, they're going to pants whoever they play. Florida's given them games early, and then Alabama just puts it on them. Um, seems like folks like Georgia a lot. Um, uh, sophomore quarterback Eason's looks yep. pretty good he's a big guy so everybody's going to like him because he's tall yep um, Nick Chubbs uh, Sony Michelle is back that's your best one-two combo for running backs in the country yes but uh, Florida Florida has a good defense and uh, Deshaun Kaiser's there so if they can just get no, anything no no not uh, Zaire uh, Deshaun Kaiser probably would like Malik. to be with Florida but he's with the Cleveland Browns right now why can't he do both? Well, that's true. That's true. I mean, especially when you're playing for the Browns, that's essentially a college team anyway, right? Oh, badoom chink. That hurts. That hurts. chink, he says. Uh, yeah, I think Florida, I think they lose to Michigan in the beginning of the year. I think they lose to Florida State at the end of the year. I think they run the table after that. They probably lose a game or two somewhere along the line because they can't score 10 goddamn points. But, uh, yeah, the East, not great. I hope Kentucky can do something. Um, John Kirk's like South Carolina. I'll, I'll, yeah, okay. Um, Tennessee should fire their coach. Um, you're, you're wasting time, Tennessee. You're wasting time. Should, should they hire so, Kenny Chesney as head coach? Anybody. Anybody rather than this loser. I mean, Tennessee, that first month last year with those comebacks, and they were ahead by five touchdowns, and they would lose, and they were down by five touchdowns, and they would win. Unbelievable games. Lucky as hell to win the games that they did. Um, yeah, so what, what was it? What was the first game last year? Tennessee, uh, Appalachian New, App State. State. Yep. App State. I'm following that. I'm doing a volleyball game, and I'm looking at that game on my computer, saying, "What the hell's going on?" So hopefully, it, we get something like we will get something like that this year. Uh, that, we always do. I called that but, one last year too, and it, they, App State probably would have won close. if it had not been for their kicker. Goddamn kicker! Yeah. Uh, Butch Jones. How about that Vikings the... kicker? How about that son of a bitch? Huh? Well, he huh? missed. He missed a forty-seven yarder. That Marshall Kane. He's from. Who's, who's going to be their kicker? Uh, the hell if I know. I, I guess they would go with Forbath because he's a little more reliable, but he doesn't have the legs. So. You know, um, and they, they got a new punter, just new kickers every year. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk NFL next week, but yes, I, we I'm, I'm going to spoil my pick. It's going to be Packers Patriots because Packers got to win at the Viking Stadium. If it's not that, and then it's got to be Blair Walsh hitting a 50 yarder to win it uh, in Minneapolis. Has to be. All right. Has to be. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's he's done very well so far in the preseason here. Um, yeah. So Alabama, Florida. It, by the way, I, I have 
put Vanderbilt at six wins. I don't know how they're going to do it, but um, again, I, I'm all in on Nashville uh, sports here yeah. after going there. So, Vandy, win yeah. six games. Win six games, Vandy. Um, yeah, they got a good young poet, that Derek Mason guy. He did uh, well last year. They what they beat Tennessee last year, I think, was their big win. Um, I'm always happy for the six schools. They're at Vanderbilt, uh, Kentucky. They've been they've been better last couple of years. So um, yeah, yeah. Live live for the day when Kentucky makes the SEC title game. Isn't there only one Stoops still coaching college football right now? Arizona's one in Arizona. There's got to be an assistant. One of them's got to be an assistant. I think somewhere. it's. I think it's Mark Stoops at uh, at at Kentucky. Isn't he the head coach there? With the last Stoops, please shut out the lights, please. <laughs> yeah, he's still there. So, uh, so yeah, so we have that. So that's good there. Um, yeah, I. So Alabama against Florida. I assume you have Alabama. I have Alabama beating Florida again. 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 At the new Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, there, where Chick-fil-A will be open uh, for the SEC Championship game. That I can Oops. confirm. That I can Over. confirm. Over. Uh, big two. <laughs> yeah. We're getting, a, we're getting a Chick-fil-A here in Fargo. I'm pretty damn excited about that. Don't be. Don't be. <laughs> uh... We're a Big 12 here. Big 12 is going to have a championship game this year. Um, uh, needless to say, that's a game that Kansas won't be at. Uh, a lot of people really like Kansas State for some reason this year. I guess they do bring back their quarterback and Bill Snyder. Yeah, he's very good. Uh, Tom Herman at Texas. See if he can resurrect the Longhorns uh, after the Charlie Strong era. That uh, Charlie Strong got a raw deal in all of this. Let's let's be real here. Uh and then you have Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley, new head coach. Uh, there after Bob Stoops just suddenly up and resigned. Uh, that was very surprising. And then you have the mullet man himself, Mike Gundy, uh, Mason Rudolph quarterback. They got, uh, I mean, this team, Oklahoma State, looks locked and loaded. They are my favorites to win the Big 12. I have them going 11-1, and 12-1, uh, and one, I guess, after they win the Big 12 title game oh, I have them playing Oklahoma because you're only you're taking the top two teams here uh, how do you see the Big 12 playing out it's certainly it's going to be interesting there are a number of decent teams in here yeah people I think are sleeping on Oklahoma um, I think they lose at Ohio State and that's it I think they'll uh, do what they usually do people forget in the last couple of years early on and then they just they're there at the end and uh, Oklahoma State seems like a Clemson to me to where yeah, people pick Oklahoma State and then they'll, they'll lose to Oklahoma or they'll lose a game at Texas Tech or something like that. So Oklahoma State seems to disappoint you every single year, usually like 10-2, and two, and uh, lose a game they shouldn't at uh, the Central Michigan game, which was unfortunate for them being an example. So uh, everybody's picking Oklahoma State. I've got Oklahoma. It seems like this is the year where I pick um, – the opposite of everybody else, and I feel good about my picks. So I've got yeah, Oklahoma being Oklahoma State not once but twice. Well, we, remember, we each picked Notre Dame last year to make the playoff. But that didn't work out well. <laughs> no, it did not. No, it did not. Uh, I think I had one of the four playoff teams last year. That was the national champion though in Clemson. So that that's hey, so uh, they, sure, they yeah, pretty sure yeah, Clemson. You can get the champs. That's good enough for me. Uh, I mean. 
the Big 12 championship game, does it matter? Does it, is it going to help the conference this year? Uh, yes, Oklahoma's made it uh, to the college football playoff, I think, once in the three or four years, but they seem to be snubbed the most in, in part because of the, the national championship game. Is it really going to help them at all this year? I feel strongly that it will because, as you said, they've only been in the thing once in three years. I mean, I, I don't know how it hurts you. You have two teams... Um, they're both going to be good. Both probably, both people expect Oklahoma and Oklahoma State to be in the top ten when this championship game happens. And I don't see how a another win against a top ten team is going to be bad. So, I mean, there could be a situation where one team's undefeated, one team has one loss. The one loss team beats the undefeated team and they split the season series. And you're like, well, you knock each other out. But you're not, they're not getting in in the first place. They're not getting in to begin with. So I don't see how it's a negative when they've been shut out two out of three years. So I think it's a very good idea. I think I said national championship. It's the uh, Big 12 championship. And let, can I just ask, does, do we know anything about West Virginia? I mean, they they seem to be like a true yep. wild card here that no one knows what the hell they're going to do. Uh, I have them going, I think, 8-4. and four. And I really don't know how they're going to do it, but I think they, they certainly can. I think uh, that's actually where Oklahoma State, uh, giving them their only loss this year, is going to be at Morgantown. Uh, because Morgantown just seems like a difficult place to play. Dana Holgerson does a uh, does a very good job there. Um, I, but I don't know why. I just don't know how to handicap West Virginia. I think they'll be fine. I got them for seven wins. I could see them winning eight, nine games. They have Will Greer as their quarterback. He was a guy at Florida. He yes. was good at Florida. And he had some drug, I think maybe uh, PED issues. So it would have been very exciting if he would have been at Florida because he was actually good. So I expect West Virginia to, like they usually do, put up a lot of points. And yeah, they'll be, they'll be fine. Um, they can maybe be the uh, third or fourth best team in the conference. Huh? Very good. Are you buying the Kansas State hype train? Well, they should be fine. Um, I got them for nine wins, okay. losing to the, the Oklahomas in Texas. So, yeah, they're always really good. So, yeah, they're not, I don't think they're making a playoff or anything like that, but um, I think they'll be right there with West Virginia. I think, you know, once you get past the Oklahomas, I mean, West Virginia, Kansas State, I mean, the bottom of the conference is garbage. Um, Texas Tech and Baylor probably aren't going to be any good. TCUs should be okay in Texas. Hopefully they can make a freaking bowl game, for God's sake, since you're... Will Kansas win the conference uh, game this year? Absolutely not. Absolutely. They beat Texas last year. Um, I don't... It's them and Iowa State. I had Iowa State beat them at 2-10. Kansas at 1-11. Hope they can beat Southeast Southeast Missouri, for God's sake. Yep. Uh, so you have Oklahoma winning the Big 12 then? Yes. Okay, very good. Last, you of, last of the power, I, I have Oklahoma State taking down Oklahoma. Okay. And finally, the Pac-12, uh, which is aptly named because there are 12 teams in the conference. Um, maybe the Big 10 and yeah, the Big 12 should figure this shit out. But uh, this one, I 
Again, I've been on this train now since uh, the Rose Bowl. Sam Donald, the quarterback for USC, I like him a lot. He showed me a ton there. Um, Adoree Jackson, I wish that he would have come back, but he he left USC. He was a good cornerback and return man, but uh, I mean, USC's got is so loaded weapon wise. I know Josh Rosen's at at UCLA, and he's a very good quarterback. Uh, UCLA can do something. But uh, in terms of the, the Pac-12 South, it's USC, and, and then absolutely no one. The Arizona s- schools are shit. Uh, Colorado will be okay. Utah is always tough, but Utah, the USC doesn't have to go to Utah this year. Uh, I mean, j- just g- give me USC, and I'm not even thinking twice. I mean, people were talking about them uh, with the playoffs late last year. Are they a three-loss team because they lost to... Uh, they lost to Washington, I think, and they lost to. They just got destroyed by Alabama right off the gate. Yep, and then they lost people to like, Stanford, I believe. And people were like, "Oh, USC, three loss team. Let's get them in the playoff." I'm like, "All right, yeah, if they have two losses, we can have this discussion. Three, no, three loss team is ever making the playoff." And so, their their uh, schedule last year, though, the beginning part of that was absolutely brutal. And we no, said that last year. Said if they run the table, they can do something. Uh, but but that was absolutely brutal. Yeah, and again, they changed. Well, I think they changed quarterbacks, and Sam Darnold uh, came the real deal. I'm sure he'll be a terrible professional, which all USC quarterbacks seem to be. But uh, I think he's going to do uh, very well when it comes to uh, award season. And I have USC. Undefeated. That's what I think of them. As do I. I have them undefeated, and uh, I have them going against another undefeated team in the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, I was kind of buying the Washington hype going into this year. Uh, with uh, Jake Browning as the quarterback, I, you know Chris Peterson. We know what he did in the years he was at Boise State, and he's turned Washington around. But he got them a, maybe a year quicker to the playoffs than uh, than what everyone thought. So I hope that they haven't reached that tipping point and now are going to fade back a little bit because they certainly got a mark on their or a target on their backs, and they have a tough game at Stanford. And we recall Washington embarrassed Stanford last year up in Seattle. Uh, but I like Washington a lot in the Pac-12 North, even uh, over, you know, Willie Taggart taking over now um, at Oregon. And, uh, of course, as we mentioned, Stanford, you got David Shaw there. It, it, heck, didn't even mention Mike Leach and uh, and Luke Folk, the quarterback there at Washington State. So the Pac-12 North is going to be very difficult. But I, I just – I really – Love Washington. Uh, the majority of their pieces have come back. Uh, no Kevin King. No no John Ross. But uh, I still think they they're loaded everywhere. Again, their schedule is not good. Just like it was last year, their schedule was bad. But they lost one game last year. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, let's see who that was. Too. I mean, you don't think that Rutgers is a difficult team to play, what, uh, week one of the regular lost, season? Uh, USC beat them last year, 26-13 uh, in Washington. Um, yeah, they played Rutgers last year. Um, they played Ohio and Portland State. Uh, non-conference, I guess, is a little better. Um, Not much. Yeah, Fresno, Fresno State in Montana instead of Idaho and Portland State. I think Idaho and Montana are both better than Idaho and Portland State. So, 
despite Montana being a, being an FCS. So I mean, they're they're I mean they they have five road games. One is at Rutgers. One is at Oregon State. One is at Arizona State. Some terrible teams. Um, at Stanford, it's a Friday, November tenth. It's on Fox Sports One at nine thirty. For God's sake, that's terrible. Um, I mean, Fox is getting a lot of bad. big games this year. Fox and Fox Sports One. This needs to stop. Uh, we need more people to start subscribing to ESPN. This, I mean, it shouldn't. Be, it's eight o'clock, eight o'clock Central, nine Eastern, six Pacific. That should be fine. Um, should be a great game. Uh, Stanford and Washington. I think they lose at Stanford. I think I think that's the difference in this division. Again, I think um, differently here. I think Stanford um, beats Washington, and Stanford wins the North. No. The surprise, folks. Yeah, no. Stanford did. I mean, that Love guy, uh, the, the running back. He certainly impressed me against Rice, though it was against Rice. Uh, so take that with a grain of salt, if you will. But it's going to be incredibly difficult to. Uh, I mean, you, you lost so much production with Christian McCaffrey. How do you replace him? And you can't replace him. You absolutely can't. But uh, I mean, how are they going to do that? I guess that's that's my well, big they question. Were, were they, eight, the, they weren't. They weren't. They were the eight and four. They were ten and three last year. They weren't. They were okay. That's true. I mean, uh, ten and three. Ten and three is good. So I think you know, obviously one of the greatest players, Stanford in college football history. But no, I think they'll do just fine. Running back seems to be good. They're at USC in two weeks. That's going to be a great game. Guess where it's at? It's on Fox. Um, so if you, I mean, that's that's going to be terrific. Stanford at USC. Um, so Stanford has a few tough road games at San Diego State. We'll see if that's anything. Um, I mean, the first three games are not at home. That's very. I can't believe there's any non power five team. I can't imagine. I don't say that's ever happened, but I can't imagine any power five team starting three straight on the road. And that's what they're doing. Yep. Yep. And any. Granted, it, it was a, a neutral game in Australia, and Bryce Love is the running back, 13 carries, 180 yards, and one touchdown. But, uh, yeah, so uh, USC against Stanford. I have USC against Washington. And who do you like in the Pac-12 championship game? I would assume USC. I think Stanford's got a pretty tough schedule, while Washington does not. Um, I got USC undefeated over Stanford. So um, first game should be good. hope they play again. Um very intrigued by the Pac-12. See if anybody can knock off. So I'm, I'm interested to see what Stanford can do. I'm on the Stanford wagon. I'm on the Stanford wagon. Anything regarding the Pac or the like outside of the Power Five? Any of these other schools, these uh, conferences? Anything oh. uh, draw any attention? Like, is Notre Dame going to be better than four and eight this year? Yeah, their schedule seems to be pretty tough. They've got uh, Georgia. They've got USC. I I looked at it a, a while ago. I think you know, like a six six. Would be would be decent there. So Notre Dame always got a got a pretty tough schedule. Um, South Florida seems to be everybody's pick for that um, automatic spot in the, in the big so. bowl game. Came in there, yeah. Their their um, their conference schedule is just terrible. Quinn Flowers is uh, a pretty good quarterback there too. They've got five road games. Already beat San Jose State. That was pretty bad for the first quarter. Um, they're at UConn. On ESPN News, it's on ESPN News. Big game there against UConn. Um, 
if they can beat East Carolina, they should be fine. They're at East Carolina. They finish up at Central Florida. So, um, I mean, so, I mean so I'm, I'm sure South Florida will be in the top ten at the end of the year. Undefeated. So. I would agree with that. They are in my uh, the, the Peach Bowl I have them in here. Um, I am making one change, but yeah, okay. sorry. Well, like, um, like say, uh, Colorado State, Colorado, that's a game I'm interested in this week. See what yep. Colorado State can do. Uh, San Diego State, they're always pretty good. They're probably going to win 10 games. Boise State is already good. Seems like just the Mountain West teams. And, um, and Wyoming with Josh Allen. Yeah, Wyoming, I'm sure they'll go like 8-4 and four and people will be drooling over this guy because he's 6'5". So the Carson Wentz comparisons have already started. Um, it seems like it's just the Mountain West. That's about it. Uh, yep, I, I agree. There's really not much else. Appalachian State, uh, watch out for them when they play Georgia, I think, this week. That's going to be interesting. But let's go to the New Year's Six now here, or do you want to do your Heisman um, un- unveiling? Well, I've got uh, USC going undefeated, so their quarterback is probably going to win the Heisman if that happens. I agree. I yeah. agree completely. This is, a, this is a big field here, I think, for quarterbacks. Uh, Saquon Barkley is the best running back in the country, so I think he will certainly be up there. But otherwise, other than that, it's really quarterbacks. I mean, you're looking at Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma, Mason Rudolph, Oklahoma State, Jake Browning, uh, Washington, uh, uh, Jason Allen uh, from Wyoming, that Luke uh, Darnold from USC, you know, Trace McSorley maybe, I don't know. Uh you know, DeAndre Francois uh, from Florida State. Lamar Jackson, he won the Heisman last year. He's got to be in the discussion. So it seems very quarterback heavy this year. But I, like you, I have USC undefeated, uh, much to the chagrin of David Schottenkirk. And I just think Sam Darnold is uh, that guy. He is going to be the number one overall pick in the draft next year. And, uh, yeah, he, he's the real deal. Interesting. I mean, uh, Heisman, Lamar Jackson was 100 to 1 to begin the year. Nobody picked him. I saw Desmond Howard picked him or picked him as a dark horse. So he was right on that. Um, just looking at like at the top 20 or 25. Yeah, I, I mean, Jared Stidham at plus 2,000. Um, sure. That's an intrigue. Kerwin James, a defensive back from Florida State, getting uh, getting some uh, publicity yeah, with this. guys. Those defensive guys, that's tough. Um, yeah, you look at uh, Scarborough, um, Mason Rudolph. Hopefully everybody thinks Oklahoma State's going to be this good. Um, Darius Geis, yes. LSU, I think he's the best running back in the country. So I think it's a very deep Heisman Trophy field preseason. There's good 10, 12 guys. I'm sure there'll be some guy we've never heard of. I'm just, uh, South Florida, I think their quarterback, Quentin Flowers, so South Florida uh, South Florida's going to be worth a damn. Yep. Um, you know, Quentin, Quentin Flowers, let's get on it here. There we go. Uh, who do you have then in your New Year's six games, we'll, and then we'll get to the playoff teams? Peach Bowl, I have Oklahoma State and South Florida. Okay. Cotton Bowl, I have, Cotton Bowl, I have Oklahoma and Washington. Uh, the Fiesta Bowl, my favorite game here, will be Stanford and Michigan. There you go. And, and the Orange Bowl is Louisville, Wisconsin. A fast guy versus uh, Wisconsin, and we all know we're bored as hell with Wisconsin. Very good. Uh, I have 
Um, I, I, I made one switch here from what we had, when we had talked on Sunday oh, in the Google chat. Um, so if you can, I'd like to make this update here f- from the Google chat as well. Uh, so in the I, I have LSU against USF in the Peach Bowl, uh, and I. I have LSU going 11-1, and I don't think it's necessarily going to happen, but they do have you know one of the best running backs in the country in Geis. Uh, always a good defense. Uh, can you just get a little can you get a little something going offensively? That That's all I'm looking for from you, LSU. And I think that's, isn't that where the Pitt offensive coordinator went? Potentially. I'm all, I mean, I mean we talked about the quarterbacks in the SEC and how they can't get a good one. Uh, Jared Stidham, that's interesting. Yes. He lit it up at Auburn. Yes, he did. I want to see what he does here here at uh, Auburn. So I'm going to go through this with Charlie when he joins the podcast as well, but I'll just uh, briefly go through it here. Uh, I like Penn State, Florida State, and the Orange Bowl. Uh, Cotton Bowl, I'm switching it to to Oklahoma State, Wisconsin. And then Fiesta Bowl, I'm going VaTech, Michigan. VaTech, Michigan? Yes. In the Fiesta Bowl? In the Fiesta Bowl, Yes. Okay. So I, I feel bad leaving, you know, the likes of Clemson and Louisville and Miami out from the ACC uh, in these six games anyway. Um, but uh, your playoff teams then, who do you like in? Uh, we'll just let's go in the in the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. Rose Bowl, I like USC over Florida State, one versus four. Uh, usually don't like Florida State. Um, I guess I'm putting them in this year. Um, Sugar Bowl, number two, Alabama, over number three, Ohio State. Very good. I, uh, we are, uh, three of the four teams we have exactly right. The only one I have in there is, and I, I don't feel good about this, because I think Oklahoma State or Penn State probably should get in, but I'm going to put Washington in there uh, and hope it doesn't bite me in the butt. That's all. I, that's all I can say. Uh, you would put Oklahoma State in instead if you had to. I would put Penn State five, Oklahoma State six, probably. That would be my. That's how I kind of see this ranking. I mean, Washington's very uh, fluid situation for me, just because of their schedule. But I do have them going undefeated. I think it's a. I think the outcome of the Pac-12 championship game, if everything goes according to plan, you know, if I, you know, assuming they can beat Stanford and beat Washington State. How they play USC in the in that Pac-12 championship game is incredibly important. If they lose by ten points or less, I think Washington can, you know, keep that one loss and stay in over a one loss Oklahoma State, uh, a one loss uh, Penn State squad. But that's a big if. If not, then I then I can definitely see Penn State getting in there because if Penn State has one loss and that one loss is to Ohio State. Don't they have it? Don't they? They deserve to have a very good chance to get in the playoff there. And they will if you're a Power Five team and you have one loss. It'll be very good. Um, again, you have to look at who wins the conference. I do not see Washington as a one-loss team that doesn't win the conference getting in. Um, and that's why I said I'm, I'm going out with on a. I mean, I was high on Washington, you know, because I think I was buying into the hype that David had been saying a couple years ago, and then they they surprised last year. So I'm hoping that they didn't uh, they didn't reach the top of the mountain here, and now are going to come back down. I'm hoping that they can do that, but it, it's it's difficult. I, I absolutely admit it that Washington is kind of a scary pick, and I, but I would have Penn State and Oklahoma State right behind them if they. If, uh, if if Washington doesn't get in, 
I very much like uh, comparing schedules and resumes, and I think Oklahoma State's wins would be much better than what Washington would bring. Sure. I think Penn State's, Penn State's, I mean, Washington can't, I don't think Washington can win a head-to-head with anybody on schedule or wins. Um, I've got Oklahoma and Wisconsin as my first two teams out. That's what I have. Okay. Okay, so let's compare Wisconsin's schedule to Washington's. Both are very bad, but um, let's get it up here. I would I would favor got, Washington got, over Wisconsin. If it came down to that, if it came down to two one-loss teams, uh, who it, it, let's say let's say Wisconsin undefeated regular undefeated regular season, they lose in the championship game to USC and was in uh, Ohio State. Ohio State. Yes. Okay. By what? Couple touchdowns. Normal. Yeah. Yep. Ten to fourteen points. I would say Washington has a better I Washington has a better strength of schedule cuz they would have to go beat Stanford. Sure. They have a they have Washington State who's ranked Oregon is still Oregon. Uh I think they are going to have a, a better year this year. Uh so I would take Washington so the, I, I So the three best wins for Washington would be at Stanford absolutely. Yep. Home to Washington UCLA, State. Oregon, I mean their last Washington's last five games are their toughest five games, I would say. Yes. UCLA and Oregon at home, Utah. Well, I mean, they would have you expect at least one, maybe two of those teams to be ranked. All five of those teams to be over five hundred. Um, I would agree with you. Washington would have better wins than Wisconsin. Wisconsin would beat Michigan, Nebraska. That's it. Yep, I agree. So uh, I, mean, I agree. This this and uh, overall champion for you then. I have Alabama beating USC. All right, and I have uh, I'm leaning towards USC to be undefeated this year and win it all. Over Ohio State. Over Ohio State, yes, over Ohio State. Uh, should be a great season though. Uh, this week one got some great games here. Uh, of course, uh, the big one is Florida State and Alabama. That'll be at the at Mercedes Benz Stadium there. So that's going to be incredibly fun. Yeah, Sunday though, you do have Texas A and M against UCLA. That's going to be an intriguing one on Fox. Uh, you have West Virginia against Virginia Tech. And then Monday night is Tennessee and Georgia Tech, uh, which is going to be kind of a snoozer. I'm, of course, intrigued by West Virginia and Virginia Tech for obvious reasons. Uh, what do you think the point spread is? For that one, I'd say Virginia Tech three and a half. Four. Good enough. All right. Um, any any other games? I know there are a lot of other big games kind of out there. I mean, Ohio State, Indiana is opening up. This Thursday schedule is absolutely atrocious in terms of yeah. games that you want to see. There, there's really nothing there, and they're, they're hyping up this Indiana-Ohio State game. And stuff. Maybe it's because the Big Ten never plays on, like, a week one, so you have the, the fact that you have this is somewhat unique. But, um, yeah, any other games that you're, that you're looking at that are really intriguing? I think there's about 10 games, 10, 12 games worth a damn. Uh, I, if you had to pick, well, let's see. Let's take, oh, shit. Uh, like Florida, Alabama, Michigan's Florida, good. Huh? Florida, Michigan is a good game. I mean, Alabama.
Alabama, Florida State on paper is great. Um, and then you have you like you like Virginia Tech. So if you had to, let's let's take those two games out of it. Yep. What is your if you had to watch one game? It would probably be Michigan and Florida. Yes. Um, that that would probably be the one. These these coaches are going back and forth. Jim Harbaugh, he's my favorite coach. He's a crazy man. Um, he put out his his roster today, and it was just a roster of a bunch of old former Michigan players. So he's just stirring shit for no reason. Um, Florida's not saying who their quarterback is. I think Michigan's not saying who their quarterback is. So all of this garbage, very intriguing. I hope there's a fight. <laughs> so I really like that game. Um, App State at Georgia. Yep. That's uh, count, count me in for that. Uh, Louisville and Purdue. <laughs> Guess what channel that's on? A Fox. Fox. It's at Colt Stadium, Lucas Oil Stadium. I hope uh, Lamar Jackson has 10 touchdowns. It'll be trashes. Purdue. If, if we're um, looking at upstate, uh, up, upsets here, I would like to put Youngstown State at Pittsburgh on the radar. Put it on the radar. Lots of good games week week one. Very excited to watch it. Um, they should have more games on Sunday and yes. Monday when the, when the NFL is not going on. Missed opportunity. Um, new stadium in Atlanta. Yeah, I get 10, 12 games. They're great. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you have a surprise team. Surprise team. A, like a surprise team for week one or for the season? Season. I mean... You have Miami at 10 wins. That's, that's a bunch. Yep. I have Minnesota at 10 wins. Do, do, do they count? Jesus I mean, Christ. I, mean, I, yes, that would I, I would... I, I'm just kind of buying it. I I I just like what PJ Fleck does. He talks. That's all he does. He just talks. That talk helped West Western Michigan get to the Cotton Bowl last year. He did. He's very good. Had a good receiver, good quarterback. They're very exciting. Um. So yeah, I guess put me in on Minnesota for that that one true surprise. if I could, if I would ask you one team that's bound to disappoint this year, that's ranked fairly higher, that that you that the expectations that they're just going to fall flat on their face. They don't even have to be, I guess, like a you know a potentially undefeated team or a one loss team. It could be someone who's or a team that's supposed to be like eight and four, nine and three that goes you know just flips it four and eight, three and nine, something like that. What would be that one team? I see Florida State losing three times. Okay. Okay, I, I, I can uh, I can accept that. Um, well, terrific. Um, there you go. If it, if uh, have, have, I hope I hope we live long enough to see the Sun Belt get in a big time bowl game. Um, I hope we do. So specifically, Appalachian State. If App State beats Georgia, I think they go undefeated. Really? Okay. All right, so ooh, that would be a fascinating battle between them and USF to see who could get it. And uh, no, no mid-major could touch beating Georgia at Georgia. So no, they couldn't. No, they couldn't. That would be fascinating. Even if App State, even if that's the only game they lose, um, they should be probably in the top twenty. Well, um, boys. Yeah. So sorry. Go ahead. 
Boise State, they're at Washington State. That's their big game. They could they could win that. They're at San Diego State. So um, a lot of these these mid major teams have one big game, and um, it's I mean, App State of Georgia not not great uh, for winning. Uh, San Diego State hosts Stanford. That's a good deal for San Diego State if they can they can run the deal. They, they get Boise State at home, so that'd be pretty good. Boise State's at Washington State, so South Florida, SDSU, uh, App State, Boise State. Those are my four teams. Speaking of SDSU, did you read the the preview story uh, that uh, on the Jacks last week? Uh, Matt Zimmer and the Argus Leader, specifically about uh, Dallas Goddard and Jake Wenicky. I did not. Oh, uh, you should find it. It's a, it's very good. Talks about how they're handling the the pro prospect futures. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun year in Brookings, as well. Anything else college football related in this preview and this long extended uh, the, the podcast here before we wrap it up? What's SDSU's record? Mm. North Dakota State at home. If Northern Iowa at home, I would love to see them beat North Dakota State. I'm going to go out on a limb and say they will this year. Uh, I will say 11 and one. Is can they be 11 and one, or is it 10 and one? They play 11 or 12 games. I think they play 11. Okay. 10 and one. 10 and one. Losing to who? Uh, let's say Illinois State. Oh my heavens! Yeah, two, three losses. I think. No, we'll see. Just as long as they aren't on North Dakota State's side of the bracket here when the playoffs begin. You know they will. You know oh, they will. Oh, they will be. Oh, yes. For them, if they want to beat them. They beat them last year and they couldn't beat them in the game that mattered. Beat them. Yep. That's the only way you're going to get past them. You're going to have to beat them. And they're good enough, too, because they have in the past. They did last year, for God's sakes. That's the only way you're going to get to where you, you got to go. Absolutely. Win the conference outright. Beat them twice. You're top five in the country. Uh, then, then fucking, then fucking do something. How about that? We're gonna try and get the SDSU Sports Block podcast up here oh, as well this week. If not this oh, week, yes. next week. So uh, look forward to that. We'll try and get Matt Zimmer. We'll try and get Joe Curlin from Bison Illustrated. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to college football. And as the one and only Travis Crins here uh, with anything else before we say so long. We got two months of baseball. I'm very excited about. It. Very excited. Make the season ten months long. I can play 220 games. With 110 doubleheaders. That's a lot of games. That is a lot of games. It's yeah, Playoffs are going to be great. Playoffs are going to be fun. Hopefully the Twins are in it. I think they will be. For at least one game. I don't know if they're beating the Yankees, but they should. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Thank you so much, my friend, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. We'll see you later. And remember, NFL, uh, the fantasy draft next week. Fantasy draft. Uh, yes, I will... Uh, Prepare uh, as thoroughly as possible, and uh, pick uh, pick as usual. All right, very good. Talk to you later. We'll see you later. Travis Grins joining us here at Sports Block Podcast. Appreciate his time and perspective as always. Um, again, college football season is great, but it's it's hard not to uh, have the the excitement dwindle a little bit in wake of what is going on. In Houston, again, youcaring.com slash JJ Watt. He's raising a whole bunch of money. He's now upped it to $5 million as of Tuesday night. That's his goal. Uh, Red Cross, uh, United Way of Houston, anything that you can do, spare a few bucks, 
help out uh, the people of Texas um, from this catastrophic flood. Uh, we'll, of course, uh, kind of wrap everything up here, too. But a big podcast here for you, in case you didn't know, because it's almost two hours long right now, anyway. But coming up next, Charlie Hildebrand. Uh, been with us the last couple of weeks. Last week, uh, podcast audio issues. I apologize. Um Charlie's been with us for the last couple of weeks. He'll be with us this week to go over his uh, New Year's Six games, Heisman Trophy winner, the college football playoff games, put a bow on the on the season here. We'll uh, do that, and then we'll hope to get Jeff Lloyd the second from TurnOnTheJets.com and see what he has for um, you know just what he thinks about the upcoming college football season, the uh, the, the draft prospects who are, who are his college football playoff teams. So that's still to come. Also, do hope to push a SDSU Jackrabbit podcast uh, out here either later this week or next week. So definitely stay tuned for that here. You are listening to Sports Block Podcast, which can be found on iTunes. Just search uh, the Sports Block in the podcast. Yours truly and and uh, Travis Crins co-hosting this, uh, what we hope you find to be an entertaining, sometimes provocative, or um, perspective podcast. We, we deviate sometimes outside of the world of sports, but main focus is sports, and the main focus this week is, of course, college football. It's so coming up next, one and only Charlie Hildebrand uh, to go over his playoff teams and more here on the Sports Block Podcast. Continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, hopefully this time with our good friend Charlie Hildebrand from the Sioux City Journal. The audio is working. We have everything right. Mr. Hildebrand, how are we doing? Good. Back in black with snack right now. That's right. Uh, Game of Thrones is now over. Before we get into our picks and everything for college football, for the for the playoffs and everything, uh, just... Game of, Th- Game of Thrones season seven is done. Uh, with you, no spoilers given, please. But uh, just your overall thought of the season and now what you're looking forward to, and is as it goes to its finale, the season finale in a year or two. I mean, overall, I, th- I thought I enjoyed the season. It's not like it's not one of the two or three best seasons they've had, and without specifically giving anything away, like if you didn't like in season six where it's like, oh, Littlefinger seemed to move this place to this place quick. How did they get there so fast? That seems unrealistic. There's, there's more of that in season seven of people really traversing the globe quicker than maybe you would expect. But if you can get over that, I think there's a lot of good and fun and interesting things. And now it's just... I'm disappointed that we have to wait so long again, but the bright side is it basically... I mean, this took us into the Saturday or the Sunday, like before the true opening week. I mean, I know there were games on, you know, Saturday. Yes. This past Saturday, but, you know, there were only a few. But, yeah, Game of Thrones leading right into college football is kind of nice. Yes, no doubt. Uh, did you pay in? I had my weekend full from the middle of July, like all the way through early February now. That's right. And then, of course, you have March Madness. So, I mean, that's going to be fun and exciting as well, though I know I'm more into the college basketball than you are. But it, it's still, you, you get roughly in that time and you start paying a little more attention. That's why sports and Game of Thrones, they just go hand in hand, don't they? And I enjoy college basketball. It's just that I don't really get into it until about the final two weeks of the regular season. Right, right. When football's going on. It's tough for me to get invested in any other sport. That's very... So 
that that's very fair. Did you pay any attention to Stanford and Rice? Because I was, uh, I, I'll have to admit, Stanford improved me, albeit it was against a Rice team that's not very good. But the the running back who is at Love that's replacing Christian McCaffrey looked good. Uh, so I know we talked about Stanford and when we talked about the Pac-12, but uh, they certainly impressed me a little bit in this one. Yeah, they looked good. I did, I was at work, so I missed the first half of the game. But I got—I think well, like right when I got home, like within three or four minutes of turning on the TV, the third quarter started. And I watched it until there were about ten minutes left in the game and thought, you know what, this is such a bloodbath. I don't know if I need to watch this anymore. And then actually after that, on Twitter, I tried to pay attention to what was going on with the McGregor-Mayweather fight, yep. where normally I would have cared more about the football game Stanford was beating them so badly and all the Stanford backups were in I was like you know what I don't know if I care that much how Stanford's third string quarterback does what was but, the- but yeah like you said they, they looked they looked really good against an outmatched Rice team what was more of a bloodbath Stanford over Rice or uh, the second to last episode of season 6 of Game of Thrones in the bastard uh, brother battle <laughs> that's a good question um you know what? I think I'm going to go Stanford just because Stanford, that game was like over from the start. Or at least in the Battle of the Bastards and Game of Thrones, there was going back and forth and there were times it was in doubt and you didn't know what was going to happen. You know, like, it's weird. I mean, you know what? Sometimes I don't like comparing war to sports, but in a fictional show where it's not real, I don't have a big problem with it. There, there, were, there were more lead changes in Battle of the Bastards than there were in the Stanford Rice game. So, uh, UMass in Houston or in Hawaii, excuse me, that game didn't matter. Uh, BYU barely beat Portland State by 14, 26. That aside, uh, Colorado State uh, beat the pants off of Oregon State at, even after spotting them that first touchdown. And USF started slow against San Jose State before really pulling away here. We both like USF, thinking they're the best team outside of the Power Five. But did either uh, USF or Colorado State show you anything else? I mean, did Oregon State show you just how bad they are and perhaps more this year? Uh, Colorado State certainly could make things interesting in the Mountain West with Boise State and Wyoming, don't you think? Um, I don't feel like South Florida really showed me a whole lot, and and that's not to knock them. It's just that San Jose State's not good. that good. Yeah. And, you know, they struggled early, but it's nice that they came back and won convincingly. And it, it's tough with Oregon State and Colorado State because we don't know. I mean, Oregon State could still be pretty bad. Um, but the way they pulled away in the second half looks good. I mean, I don't think they're going to win the Mountain West, but I'm at least okay with – like, you, you don't want to read too much into week one. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've all done that before. But I think it's, it's okay to say that maybe Colorado State will be better than people originally thought. Like, you know, if you had them – if you had them going seven and five, maybe they could go nine and three, and at least make it a competitive race to uh, the Mountain West Championship. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I kind of I remember when Montana beat North Dakota State a few years ago, and they had that sweet spread attack, and it's like, wow, Montana's going to be super good. They're going to beat everyone, and then Montana kind of fell off the pack a little bit. I kind of feel like that's the way with Colorado State. Yeah, it's a great spread attack, but you you do beat one bad team in Oregon State, and I'm not going to completely go off ship with it, but they look interesting. Of course, South yeah. Florida, as mentioned, they didn't do a whole lot. Um, 
I mean, Flowers is is great, their their quarterback there. But um, USF's going to be really good. But they did nothing against San Jose State to make me think any different, no no better, no worse uh, than them right now. I think that's fair. Let's uh, double on your point of you know last year or a couple years ago the Montana North Dakota State game. Let's remember last year at this time or a week from now last year this time. We all thought Texas was back because they beat a top 15 Notre Dame team. And wow, how good Texas going to be this year because they win the Big 12. Yes. And both teams turned out to be bad. And the, so. one, and the one commonality between Texas and South Florida, Charlie Strong. <laughs> so I think he'll win more games this year than he did last year. I, he might win more games this year than he did the last two years. Exactly. God, I would hope so. Uh, let's recap here over the last couple of weeks. We've broken down the, the Power 5 conferences. Uh, in the Pac-12, Washington and USC you have, uh, and you have USC winning that game, correct? Uh, let me grab my sheet here. I've got USC over Washington in the Pac-12 title. Yep. And then Alabama and Georgia in the SEC championship with Alabama winning. Yep, that's correct. Alabama oh. over Georgia. Ohio State over Wisconsin in the Big Ten. And then did you say uh, Oklahoma State over Kansas State in the Big 12, correct? Yep, I've got Oklahoma State beating Kansas State twice. And now I want to say Miami, Florida beating Florida State in the ACC championship game? Yep, that's right. All right. Florida State wins the regular season match and Miami wins the rematch. So that leads us then into the playoff. Or do you want to go Heisman Trophy first um, or the, the playoff? teams um let's go Heisman first just because it's one thing okay and it yep. feels like like ending with who the national cha- like it feels like we should end with the national champion leave that as the most important thing alright fair enough so we'll do the New Year's six games outside of the college football playoff then uh, Heisman I feel like this it seems like every year it's a wide open field this year especially especially to me feels like it's wide open it's heavily favored towards the quarterbacks as it is in most years but last year we had such so many good running back you know Christian McCaffrey Dalvin Cook Leonard Ford Fournette, uh, yeah. So, and then you had your quarterbacks, of course. You know, Lamar Jackson came out of nowhere. I don't think very many people had him winning. Of course, he's high up on the list right now. But I look at you know Sa- running back Saquon Barkley from Penn State as really the biggest challenger to the group of three quarterbacks, which would be Sam Darnold, uh, Trace McSorley, and Josh Allen from Wyoming. Uh, so handicap this Heisman field. Is it as wide open or is, you know, heavily favored toward the quarterbacks as I think it is or that most people might uh, seem to think? I think it's more it, – it's weighted more towards quarterbacks now than it used to be just because the way the game's changed and offenses have evolved and the way rules have changed to generally favor offenses more than defenses. It's easier to pick up yards passing than running. You know, 25 years ago, I, th- I feel like most teams, you know, the quarterback um, quarterback play wasn't as detailed then as it is now, especially in college football. You know, you didn't have kids doing seven-on-seven camps and going to quarterback gurus in seventh grade or whatever like you do now. So it was, I think it was easier for teams to run it, where now, you know, like if you want to really, really be good in college football, you need to be able to run the ball. But you need to be able to throw it also. And it's just easier to pick up yards and chunks. 
So, like, if you're a running back, having 1,800 yards rushing and 20 touchdowns is a fantastic year, but it just doesn't look as good as a quarterback that throws for 3,500 yards and 40 touchdowns and runs for another 500 yards and 10 touchdowns, which with, you know, the rise of, you know, hurry-up spread offenses doing no huddle all the time, mm-hmm. that it just it, it wastes it so it's just easier for quarterbacks to get yards. Now, the bright side is we have seen the running backs win it a few times in the last... I mean, if you go back to Reggie Bush in 05, which, I mean, even though it was vacated, we all know he truly still won it. I think three running backs have won it since then, so, I mean, it's, like, not a lot, but you still can win it if you're a running back. You just need to be... I think you need more You need more breaks if you're a running back. Yep. Or if you're a quarterback and you control everything... You know, you can just have a lights out year, and it, it, it's easier if you're a quarterback. Or lately, you just need to be a running back from Alabama. Or, or that. So, in in handicapping this, are you going to like? Of course, if you're a Heisman Trophy candidate, more than likely your team is going to be having a really good season. But as Lamar Jackson proved last year, you don't have to be on the best team. You don't have to be in the college football playoff uh, to to be a Heisman Trophy winner. So in saying that, uh, who do you like winning the Heisman Trophy this year? Give me a list of your top five candidates. Um, I don't know. Well, off the top of my head, I would say the top five going into the year in no specific order would be Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Saquon Barkley, and Mason Rudolph, the quarterback at Oklahoma State. All right. That's... I feel like those are the guys that, I mean, you don't have to have, because it, it used to be you needed name recognition going into the year. We've seen over the last decade that that's not nearly as important now, you know, with with social media and the way that you always have all the information at your fingertips, you don't have to be a known quantity at all, you know, like Johnny Manziel winning it as a freshman. But the five guys I mentioned at least have, uh, they've got name quality, which I think can help some. And if anything, they've all been, they were all really good last year. So if you've been good before, it looks like you can be good again. And like you said, you know, you don't need to be in the playoff, but generally, I, I don't know if anyone, like even going back to Ricky Williams at Texas, when he won it in 98, I think everyone who won the Heisman Trophy in the last 20 years has won at least nine games. So, you probably, and those are all teams, or the guys I mentioned, the five, they're all from teams that should all win at least ten this year, I think. Yep, I, I agree with you there. I think... Uh, it's going to come down to Sam Darnold, the quarterback from USC, and Saquon Barkley, the running back from Penn State. And ultimately, I'm going to give it to uh, Sam Darnold from USC. Who do you like overall? I think those are both reasonable picks. I If they both have, if, if their teams have the years like you and I both think they will have, mm-hmm. they will almost certainly the Heisman finalists. I uh, I have Mason Rudolph from Oklahoma State winning that. I think that he's probably in charge of the best offense in the country when you take everything into account where they've got a, a good offensive coach in Mike Gundy 
They play a lot of mediocre to poor defenses in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. He's one of the five or ten best quarterbacks in the country, and he's got back a 1,000-yard rusher and a 1,000-yard receiver from an offense that's pretty good at putting points on the board. Yes. So I think he will have the statistics. And, you know, if, like I said, if they go 12-1 and one and win the Big 12, you know, that's going to – it's going to look really good for him. I, but I, I think I feel like it'll be either him or Sam Darnold going into the. Uh, I really like that pick, and you know who else likes that pick? Lee Corso. Lee Corso. I watched the the college football preview show on ESPN on Saturday, and he picked Mason Rudolph to win the Heisman. So you and Lee Corso have something in common. So I, I think the, I think that's good. If you're in good company there with Lee Corso, now you just have to put the mascot mascot heads on. Just for fun, you want to hear a super quick Lee Corso story? I would love to. Yes. My mom actually met Lee Corso once. No shit. Uh, at a point in time, she was dating a guy who is not my father. It was before her and my father ever met. But he played football at Indiana, and it was while uh, Lee Corso was the head coach there. No kidding. And she met this guy at. Uh, I think Wichita State, because they both went there, and then he transferred to Indiana, and then uh, I think not too long after that, they broke up, but she went out there and met Lee Corso and thought he was a really a really nice guy, and she doesn't have too much else to say about him, but <laughs> sort of a, 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 a mildly interesting side note on Lee Corso. Very good. I like that. So it's like a six-degree uh, separation here uh, between you and Lee yeah. Corso. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like if I called him up and was like, hey, this one guy who I don't even know who he is, but my mom dated him once, uh, we're basically best friends now, Lee. And right. I feel like you'd go for that. I, I think so. I think I think you should go for it here. So let's go now to the four games, the Orange Bowl, the Peach Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, and all oh, the Vikings have just beat the 49ers, but just just for fun, just, just to let you know. Anyway... The Orange Bowl, the Peach Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, and the Fiesta Bowl. Those are the four New Year's Six games that aren't involved in the college football playoff. So let's start in the Orange Bowl, and who do you like? Uh, who do you have as that matchup? I have uh, Miami against Penn State. I know that some years the New Year's Six bowls have more stipulations on them based off the bowl games because the bowl games are supposed to have uh, conference tie-ins, but since the Rose Bowl has two of the Power Five teams, and the Sugar Bowl has two of the Power Five teams. There's not much for the New Year's Six left over after that. So I know the only stipulation is you need one group of five teams somewhere, and the Orange Bowl needs an ACC team. And this year, at least, it's supposed to be against either the SEC, the Big Ten, or Notre Dame. Uh, after being burned by them last year, I know neither of us have Notre Dame in a big game this year. So I've got... Uh, Miami from the ACC and Penn State from the Big Ten. I like the which, Penn- which I think would be a pretty interesting matchup. Oh yes, yep, absolutely. Uh, I I have Penn State in the Orange Bowl as well, um, and it pains me to do it because I think they are most likely going to be the first team out of the college football playoff, the way I have everything kind of listed out here. And if they get into the playoff, I think that's great because I think they're going to finish the season 11-1, and but that one loss is to Ohio State, so they won't even have a chance in the Big Ten championship game. But having said all that, I have Penn State against Florida State. 
which I think would be very interesting as well. You have, uh, of course, that would also be a heck of a matchup. I mean, the, uh, DeAndre Francois against Trace McSorley. I think that's an interesting. Derwin James, maybe the best defensive player in the country, the yep. safety for Florida State, trying to tackle Saquon Barkley. Yep. What happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object? Yep. I mean, sign me up for this game if it ha- if that's the outcome here, and uh, I would put two confidence points on this game if we're doing the bull pick them here because that uh, right now that would be a very difficult matchup to pick but one that would be very very intriguing uh, let's go peach bowl here and uh, this is one where the 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 team out of the group of five that's going to make it we both like USF so I would assume that you have USF in here as well I have LSU I'm more bullish on LSU than a lot of people I'm 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 slurping up the 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 Huma train and the the Eddie O Ed Orgeron here. Uh, I don't know if that's going to work out or not, but I have LSU against USF in the Peach Bowl. I also have USF in the Peach Bowl. I don't think the Peach Bowl is required. Somebody's retired or required to take a group of five team. I don't think it has to be the Peach Bowl, but I think that they pick last in the order, which means that they almost certainly will be the team that takes them because. Uh, the other team or the other bowl games will pick teams first and uh, I have uh, Kansas State playing USF in the Peach Bowl which is like I think that could be interesting but but it's clearly my least interesting New Year's Six game on paper but yeah. having uh, Bill Snyder possibly in his last season playing against Charlie Strong who he beat a couple times while he was at Texas and, you know, I mean, I think it could be at least mildly interesting. That's, that's a very good storyline here, and I guess you're right, because Western Michigan did play in the Cotton Bowl last year. So, yeah, I guess it's not a requirement for the Peach Bowl. But, um, yeah, so we both have USF, though, in the uh, in the Peach Bowl here. You have them against uh, Kansas State. I have LSU. In the Cotton Bowl, uh, here's another team that I think is just going to miss out in the uh, playoff, and it's going to be Oklahoma State. And I switched this up here. I have Oklahoma State, uh, when we did our Google Hangout chat, I was trying to get everything all put together here. And I said Michigan initially, but I switched that. Now I'm going to say Oklahoma State against Wisconsin. I think that would be interesting. That's the Cotton Bowl, you said? That's the Cotton Bowl, yep. In the Cotton Bowl, I have Clemson against Georgia, so two border states that... They don't always play each other, but they have played a lot in the past. Generally, don't like each other. So, I think uh, the Peach Bowl is not a great game. I feel like my other games are pretty fun. It sounds like yours are fun so far, too. I think Clemson and Georgia are both loaded with talent. I would I would enjoy seeing that game. Then, the Fiesta Bowl is the one I'm the least excited about because I'm leaving so many good teams out of it. Uh, Let's hear your Fiesta Bowl uh, pick first. I think my Fiesta Bowl would be pretty entertaining. It's arguably the most entertaining of mine. I have Florida State versus Washington in the Fiesta Bowl. Yes, Jake Browning against uh, DeAndre Francois. That would be good. I have Virginia Tech against Michigan. It doesn't scream. So rematch of the Sugar Bowl from a few years ago, <laughs> yeah, but it, they both have new coaches. It, it doesn't scream sexy at all, and I'm le- and I, I say this that I don't like leaving out Miami or Clemson out of this, 
but I have Virgin- since I have Virginia Tech losing to Florida State in the ACC championship game, it only would make sense that I would give the ACC runner-up the Fiesta Bowl. So I have Virginia Tech against Michigan in I think the Fiesta Bowl. I mean, Michigan in a New Year's Six game is always going to be interesting as long as Harbaugh's there. And even though they have to replace some guys, your Hokies still won 10 games last year. So if they win, if they win 11 games this fall, in the, or 10 or 11 in the regular season, like, I mean, it's not as sexy as uh, Washington, Florida State, no. or your Orange Bowl between Florida State or Penn State, but I think it's better than my Peach Bowl between Kansas State and South Florida. It, it could be uh, Kansas, yeah, that would, yeah, your Peach Bowl is my Fiesta Bowl, I feel like. But... I, I mean, either way, you're still getting some really good teams in these games, that's for sure. So, by process of elimination now, we have uh, some teams that we haven't mentioned. So, let's get to the college football playoff. Only four teams make it. And who do you have as the... Uh, give, give me give me your four teams. Uh, do you want me to go by, like, Sugar Bowl and then Rose Yeah, Bowl? yep, yep. Let's do that. Okay, so whichever team's number one, they play in the bowl game closest to them. Yep. I've got Alabama number one, so they are playing in the Sugar Bowl against Oklahoma State. So a few years ago, uh, 2011, when Alabama and LSU had the rematch in the national title game, Oklahoma State fans felt guilt or felt like they kind of got screwed over. Different, different guys, different teams, but you're, you're getting your shot against Alabama in the Sugar Bowl in the semifinal. So that's one of them. Uh, and then do you want me to do the other one, or yeah. do you want to go first? Yeah, oh, you know what? I'll go first, I'll, and I'll just start with the Sugar Bowl matchup as well. I I too have Alabama, but I have them as the two seed, and I am giving them uh, they're ha- they're playing the three seed, which is Ohio State out of the Big Ten. I I have Ohio State beating Wisconsin, and they will be the three seed, which I feel a little skeptical giving a one loss team like Ohio State the three seed. But then again, all uh, all four of my teams in the playoff have one loss or fewer so I mean some teams got to be the three but I think that's a, I believe it's a rematch from a couple of years ago too right when Urban Meyer took down Nick Saban and company and route yeah, that was beating the first year of the playoffs yeah. in 2014 and yeah. uh, that was also that was in the Sugar Bowl yep and they beat Oregon then in the national championship so I do have Ohio State uh, against Alabama and I have Ohio State beating Bama uh, and then for me or just the Sugar Bowl and the Rose Bowl when they are not playoff games. You know, the Rose Bowl is supposed to be Big Ten, Pac-12, like it's always been. When they when they came up with the playoff idea and signed the agreement for that, the Sugar Bowl said, "Hey, if we're not a playoff, we want to be SEC versus Big 12." So I have SEC versus Big 12 in the Sugar Bowl, and for the Rose Bowl, I do have Big Ten versus Pac-12. I've got a. Uh, in the Rose Bowl. Number two, USC versus number three, Ohio State. I believe there have been more Ohio State versus USC Rose Bowls than any other Rose Bowls in the past. That's the most common matchup. I've got another one. If they're both as good as they're supposed to be, I think the Rose I don't know if there's any matchup the Rose Bowl could be more excited for than semifinal than Urban Meyer and Ohio State against a loaded USC team playing. You know, in their home city of Los Angeles, that would be a fascinating matchup. It really would. And I, and again, I I hate leaving Penn State out. I said that a few minutes ago, but I I do. 
have them, and I have a rematch of the Pac-12 championship game in the Rose Bowl here. I have number one USC against number four Washington. I just feel like Washington's going to be able to keep it close with USC in that Pac-12 championship game. That's going to be enough for the committee to say, yes, let's get them in. Uh, But then again, I think what could make this not happen is the fact that the committee might not want to see a rematch of a game that was just played you know, in the conference championship game a few weeks back. So that... In theory, the, the committee is not supposed to worry about that, at least for the playoff one. For the New Year's Six Bowls, I don't know if they do that or not, but they're, they're not supposed to worry about that for the playoffs. But, I mean, human nature, it's possible, but that could creep in a little bit. But, yeah. I mean, I, it, it would be interesting to see your situation happen to see how, how it unfolds in the way they look at so I do have USC taking down Washington again. Uh, so Washington, back-to-back years to the college football playoff, but they will lose to the top team. They're the top seed. So I have USC against Ohio State in the national championship game. You, of course, just have that in the semifinal game. So who do you have winning it all? I have Ohio State beating Alabama in the national title game. So technically, we could say that your championship game and my semifinal game are the same, that my semifinal is basically the title game anyway, if I have Ohio State beating Alabama. Yes, absolutely. And I have USC taking down Ohio State. It's going to be a very good game, but I have USC winning it all. They will be undefeated this season, and I have just crushed David Schottenkirk's dreams. So if, if what you said happens, USC goes undefeated. That you, you've got them undefeated at fifteen and zero, right? Yep. Undefeated at fifteen and zero. Heisman or Heisman Trophy winning, or did you have nope, Darnold or Barkley? Uh, Darnold. I have Darnold winning the Heisman. You've got him winning the Heisman, the national title, the first college or the first FBS college football team to ever go fifteen and zero. I feel like it's safe to assume he would go pro. And unfortunately, that would mean he would probably be the starting quarterback in 2018 for the Jets or the 49ers. Yes, or the Jacksonville Jaguars, which, I mean, with, with or the Kirk, Jaguars. <laughs> Shotkirk being a Jaguars fan, that might that might work out. And so, yeah, I've, I've totally destroyed. That, you know what? That, that's interesting you bring that up. Shotkirk, I think, I feel, you know, it's, it's always fun when your favorite college or your favorite pro team picks up a guy really good that's really good from your favorite college so yep. I, I, nobody would be happier than David Schottenkirk if that happened I right I, I, so like I say, I, I'm going out here on a major limb with USC but they just showed me so much against uh, a Penn State in the Rose Bowl last year that I'm carrying that over into this year and they got well, they had a daunting schedule last year to open I mean, up and so I think they're they're poised for really big things. And I just think if if Penn State didn't have that difficult three game stretch against Michigan, Ohio State, and Michigan State, that they would be in this. But I I, I just don't think I can quite give them a, a win in Columbus over a, a stacked Ohio State team. And I mean I don't, I don't feel like you're going all that on that far of a win. I mean this is still a team that beat the Big Ten champion, a really good Penn State squad in the Rose Bowl last year, and then the preseason top five. I mean, yep. like it'll be difficult to go 15-0. and 0. I mean, somebody will do it at some point in time, but it hasn't happened yet. But I mean, if we were, like if we would go to Las Vegas and look at the odds, I don't have them in front of me, 
but I would imagine USC is in the five best odds to win the national title this year. Like, I'm sure Alabama's won, but after Alabama, my guess is in some order, it's Ohio State, USC, like Penn State, Clemson, and Florida State, some, mm-hmm. some order in there, I would guess, after that. I, I would, I would yes, that's probably right up there, yep. So... Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, is there are there any storylines here as we get into not only week one but the college football season that you're really looking forward to or that you think might unveil? Uh, there's a couple interesting things. Like always, I don't know if which conference is the best is nearly as important as we make it out to be. And so often you can't really tell for sure. I mean, there have been years in the last twenty or so where one conference was clearly the best. But, you know, for a long time, the SEC was touted as the greatest conference. And, and I think most of those years, they almost certainly were the best conference. But it feels like they've lost some of that grip. And they still might be the best conference this year, but instead of, you know, like prior years, where it's just, oh, clearly they're the best and they're better than everyone else. It's kind of, you know, more like, well, I mean, let's wait and see. I mean, they're, they're, they're good. They're going to win games. But let's see how they look against some of these other big non-conference teams. You know, it, it seems like the Big Ten and the ACC, especially last year with the ACC, you know, maybe caught up a lot of ground in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Uh, Lamar Jackson trying to be the second repeat Heisman Trophy winner ever. Neither you or I picked him. I don't think most people think he's going to win just because it's so tough to repeat. But yep. clearly he's got a shot. You know, he, if he, if he beats Florida State or Clemson, I mean, his, his campaign really started when they blew out Florida State last year. Yep. If he beats one of them this year, it has a huge game. That'll help. Uh, and then, I think, I mean, for me specifically, I mean, obviously I'm intrigued in how my Cornhuskers do. Yep. I kind of, I'm just, I'm intrigued. I feel like Wisconsin's probably going to win the Big Ten West, but I'm intrigued to see how the rest of the division shakes out. I think a lot of people point at the Big Ten West and say that like it's garbage. I would certainly say it's not one of the three or four best divisions in college football. I think at times it's better than people give it credit for. And we'll see if someone else in in the league or in the division can at least make steps towards being in the same ballpark as Wisconsin. If Wisconsin rolls over everyone and, you know, is 12-0 and and smokes everyone in the West, then, you know, the doubters were probably right all along. You know, if somebody like Northwestern or Nebraska or Minnesota or Iowa, you know, goes 10-2 and two and has a big season, then maybe we can say that the West, while, while probably not as good as the East, is at least maybe doing some good stuff. So, you know, the, the last one's more for me as opposed to, I, don't, I think a lot of people probably don't care about the West, but I think those are maybe the three big picture things that I'm kind of intrigued going into the year. Just just along with it. And of course, we'll find out all sorts of interesting stories mm-hmm. on the first few weeks of guys coming out of nowhere and things like that. I can't let you get out of here, though, without... I mean, yes, the season yeah, technically is kicked off officially, but really, it kicks off in earnest this Saturday. It's going to be great. And I can't let you get off here without just a brief, brief preview of a, a, a tease, I guess, for people, for the folks out there, of our new favorite game, bull bound or not, or in some parts of the country, like are they bull bound? So let me give you a few teams here, and I'm going to start off with some with some softballish type ones here. Uh, let's go with Baylor. Uh, 
Is Baylor, Baylor bowl bound or not? Baylor, I feel like they should just start listening to I'll be home for Christmas. But I don't think they're going anywhere. No bowl for Baylor. Another school with some issues here who just uh, recently fired their head coach. Ole Miss, no more Hugh Freeze. He's too busy calling prostitution lines. Uh, is Ole Miss bowl bound or not? They weren't last year. Will they get it back this year? Not this year. I am more confident that this year Ole Miss won't make a bowl game than Baylor, and I don't think Baylor's going. So, hard no on Ole Miss from me. How about a team that's undergone a lot of uh, lost some key guys and even their offensive coordinator here in the offseason? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. I want to double check here. This is the first one where I have to look at my uh, my games picks for each one. I have Pittsburgh going six and six, so we're, we're going bull bound. But man, they're they're gonna have to sweat it out. Colorado impressed a lot of people last year. Is Colorado gonna be bull bound or not? I think Colorado's an interesting one too. Uh, I think they went. I think they went nine and three in the regular season last year. Maybe ten and two. But we had a very good year as I'm talking, as I'm flipping and trying to find the right sheet here. Uh, Colorado, I had going seven and five, so not a lights out year, not as good as their year last year. But you know, as bad as they were prior to last year, I would think Colorado fans would be like, you know what, we'll take seven and five. Final team here, at least that I I can think of right now. Uh, they made a bowl game last year too, if I recall. How about Vanderbilt? Vanderbilt. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat a little tiny bit here. This okay. is what I'm gonna say. Vanderbilt, five and seven, but private school known for great academics gets in with the APR score. So Vanderbilt goes to a bowl game, but but not the traditional way you should go to a bowl game. Very good. I like that a lot. Uh, I have Vanderbilt at six and six and getting in. So, uh, yeah, uh, Charlie, I appreciate the last few weeks you doing this preview with me. And whenever you would like to come on and talk college football throughout the season, uh, we won't we won't unveil the bull bound or not game, or we won't we won't do this until probably mid October. But anytime you want to come on talk college football here, I'd be more than welcome to have you on the podcast. Thank you for the time over the last few weeks, and can't wait to talk to you over the season, my friend. Yeah, whenever you need me, I'm always here. It's always fun talking about college football because it's—I don't know if it's the best sport. It's the most entertaining and interesting sport, though. I think. Yes, it, I, hard to argue with that. Really hard to argue, and it's that—it's that time of the year. And it, get excited, folks! Get excited. Thank you so much, Charlie. We'll talk to you later, my friend. Yep. See you later, Stack Attack. Charlie Hildebrand. Uh, Sioux City Journal, kind enough to join us here. Sports Block Podcast. Appreciate his time and perspective, as always, on college football. So there you have it. Um, He likes USC against Ohio State and Alabama against Oklahoma State. likes Ohio State and Alabama in the championship game. So that's great news there. Um, We'll try and get Jeff Lloyd II from TurnOnTheJets.com. See what his new venture is, if he's still doing that. What his thoughts are on some of these uh, college football recruits, who who he thinks will be on radar for scouts. Maybe some uh, some guys that you haven't really been hearing much about. 
see if we can get him on next wrap up the podcast here another week on the sports block podcast now on itunes gonna wrap up the sports block podcast here with a with a good friend and uh, you know if you've heard over the last couple of years you by now know how much i respect jeff lloyd the second's opinions of turn on the jets.com great draft insight uh you'll be hearing him as especially in march april as the draft gets closer but he's kind enough to spend a few minutes with us here on the podcast today uh, jeff how are we doing my friend um, you know, like we just mentioned earlier, uh, you know, it's sad when summer goes by so quickly, but mm-hmm. there is a great thing about summer going by so quickly. It's time. The, you know, the, the nights get a little chillier, you know, light up the fire pit. But look, college football's here. We're back in full force. I mean, it leads to so much, obviously, as great as the sport is. It leads, you know, the turnover to the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know? Only about 70, mid-70s here in New Jersey today. Let's go. It's time, man. That's right. Yep, the leaves are starting to turn here. College football's back. It kicks off in full this weekend. I Yes, you could count Stanford and South Florida whooping up on uh, Rice and San Jose State respectively last week. But this is the real kickoff weekend here. And I'm not going to mention anything about the, the Jets and the NFL here. Uh, nothing about the, the Vikings <laughs> or anything. But I have to think that Jets fans are going to be looking at... Uh, and, and Bears fans and whoever the hell else is going to be bad this year, they're going to be looking at those quarterbacks at the top of the class. you got Sam Darnold from USC. you got Josh Allen from Wyoming. And uh, the, the, oh, uh, Trace McSorley at Penn State. And those are just a few. That's not even counting the Luke Folks of, like, of Washington State, Mason Rudolph, Oklahoma State, Baker Mayfield, Oklahoma. I could go on and on and on. But this draft class coming up here is loaded with quarterbacks. Um, you know, like it traditionally in the draft circle, like one of the big phrases is, is, oh, wait till next year's quarterback class. Wait till next year's quarterback class. And usually what it means is it's usually got a teams who didn't get the guys they wanted or it didn't work out. You know, they didn't fall to them. They didn't have the ammo to trade up. But this year is ridiculously deep. Um, prime uh, case today, Eric Galco, uh, Optimum Scouting, runs his own scouting agency, also works with Sporting News, put out a first round mock today. Five quarterbacks in that first round mock. Uh, Chris Burke, great guy over at Sports Illustrated, uh, put out another first-round mock as well today. Five quarterbacks going first round. Each guy had three quarterbacks in it that were the same. Each had two different. There is a lot of talent in this quarterback class. Obviously, Sam Darnold, uh, Darnold obviously, you know, got a late start last season. Was the, started from Jump Street as a redshirt freshman. Phenomenal of the year. Precise with his game. His head is definitely way above, it, you know, his intellect is way above where a college quarterback is. You know, it's going to be fun to watch him this year, obviously. Changing his two top wide receivers, so that's going to be a little interesting. You see how he grows, and you want to see another year of consistency. But right now, um, whether he says, you know, he's declaring or not, when your name is mentioned in the first top three picks of the NFL draft, it's really hard to go back to school. And that's kind of where Sam Darnold is right now. Josh Rosen at UCLA, all the talent in the world, Mm -hmm. question marks, obviously, you know, missed the second half of the season last year with injuries. A little bit of a brash personality, you know, uh, comes from a family that's pretty well off. So he kind of voices opinion, states, you know, says what he feels, took a lot of heat that saying, for saying over the summer that being a college football player isn't all the glitz and glory that everybody think it, thinks it is, which is true. You know, I, I was a guy who wasn't so high on him, but it is the truth. And, you know, you get some, you know, sports writers jumping on him, and there was even one, I'm not going to name her name, but she compared the fact of being a gymnast in 1993 at the University of Maryland 
to being a quarterback at a school the level of UCLA. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but that's just not the case. You don't get the demands and what comes from it. And you know what? Good for Josh Rosen. He may not always say the things you want to say, but look, he's healthy. He's technically sound. He's great in the pocket. He's got a great arm. You know, one more season of him putting it all together and showing up the shoulders healthy after surgery. You know, his name will be mentioned in the top five picks. Obviously, uh, Josh Allen out of Wyoming. He's kind of the wild card here. Mm-hmm. All the talent, all the talent in the world. Obviously, but the biggest game for him this season, you know, because we not we have no idea what kind of bowl Wyoming would go to or who would play, is this weekend. This is his biggest competition. This is Iowa. So, I mean, you want to see the way he's going to face against this Big Ten school. Last year, his biggest game obviously was against uh, you know San Diego State. He looked bad. I mean, he, he's a guy who's got a fantastic arm and got a lot of you know at times got a lot got away with a lot of bad throws. You know, San Diego State, who produced some NFL talent this year in this past year's draft. They were all over him. They were on his game. You know, he was making throws that he shouldn't have making against players of that caliber. Can he clean that up? You know, at almost six foot six, he's got all the talent in the world. You know, the, the trouble is going to be though is just you know who did he play against? He won't be a guy that's going to get a Senior Bowl or the All Star Game circuit to work. You know, to show off against you know talent more equal to his level. Mm-hmm. So he's interesting. But even still, then you have Lamar Jackson, Louisville. DeAndre Francois down at Florida State. Yes. Luke Falk, like you mentioned, I really like Luke Falk. I think he's a I think he's a guy that's going to sneak up a lot higher than people think. Nick Fitzgerald down at Mississippi State. Yes. Uh, he's gone in. They run that off. He runs the offense very similar to Dak Prescott. Good runner. Gets better each time he takes a game as a thrower. You know, he's guys. He's a guy that's put up over 500 total yards of offense, running and passing. Solid player. Uh, Mason Rudolph down at Oklahoma State. There are just so many guys. Mike White, that guy nobody talks about at Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky produced some receivers last year that went on to, you know, get drafted pretty high. You know, uh, you know, Taylor obviously got drafted to the Tennessee Titans. He's showing very well. Mm-hmm. The quarterback who helped him put up those numbers is Mike White. Put up a phenomenal season last year. Mark Schofield from inside the pylon. He's my favorite quarterback guy. And, you know, every year we go back, you know, who are you looking at? You know, what's your watch list looking at? And now he's a quarterback guy. He's like, I cannot believe I have a watch list quarterback-wise of north of 35 guys. That's insane. You usually only see 12 to 13 quarterbacks get drafted. But that's how talented this class is quarterback-wise. And I feel like last year, or maybe it was the year before, you had this depth in the in the cornerback uh, market and the, the defensive line and maybe the wide receiver. And you were getting guys at like in the third or fourth round that had second-round second talent or, I mean, or second-round pick to them. And it's just because of the depth here. I mean, it, I just want to go back to Luke Falls for a second here because – Obviously, he's in the spread offense, and Patrick Mahomes was in that spread offense at Texas Tech. Mike Leach used to coach at Texas Tech. He's now at Washington State. But the how high Mahomes got drafted and with what he has shown in training camp and preseason so far, is that going to help Luke Falk, do you think? I don't, I don't know necessarily that it's going to hurt him, but I think we're getting closer and closer to the point where, you know, it, I'm sorry, it's going to help him. It's not going to hurt them. Look, I mean, you get into a lot of you know situations in the NFL. You look, I mean, look, the New York Giants—they run three wide receivers, a tight end, and one running back, seventy-five percent of the time. Mm-hmm. This is where the league is graduating, you know, gravitating to. So, why is it going to hurt these guys that they have so much experience with all these guys spread out? Yep. It shouldn't. And even with a Luke Falk, like, like you know, what I watched him—and it's weird. Last year, I ended up addicted. I watched a ton of Pac-10 football. I watched the opener last year of, you know, Washington beating the daylights out of my Rutgers. Yeah. <laughs> and there I was, 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning on late Saturday nights and Sundays. And my wife, what are you doing? I was like, I'm soaked. 
and yeah. it's just a lot of speed, a lot of. But Luke Falk doesn't play the spread like a spread quarterback. Right. Like you know, he was making the money throws. I mean, he looks like he could easily if you if you're playing a simpler scheme in the NFL where you're going more traditional route. You know, you're not throwing four wide receivers out there seventy five percent of the time. He'll be just fine. You know, it wasn't him running around like you see with a lot of spread quarterbacks, and then you know after six seconds, of course, somebody got open. For him, it was you know two steps, three steps out of the shotgun, find your man, hit your spot. And you watched the Washington game last year. You know they got pounded pretty good. Yeah. But Luke Falk and his receivers, they hung tough. Obviously, you know they were mismatched talent wise, and they lost by a pretty good margin. But it was certainly wasn't because of Luke Falk. It was more because of the defense. He can hold his own with anybody. Do you think that some of the the juniors in this year's quarterback class might wait and maybe come back for a senior year because of the depth here at the quarterback position? Or do you just see them all going and someone, unfortunately, is not going to get drafted nearly as high as they want to? Well, see, uh, you know, as the old phrase, therein lies the rub. Now, DeAndre Francois down at Florida State had a great redshirt freshman season. Mm-hmm. And there was not much talk. I mean, and, you know, he was, you know, he, I think about him as like the arc of Jameis Winston. He didn't have the year Jameis Winston did his first year at Florida State. And he'd seen all signs down there were, you know, he was more than content than being, you know, coming back, yes, and playing yet a third year after this year. But, you know, once you're in this position, and obviously, you know, with all of these guys, a lot of them are in the position, you know, as underclassmen. You know, you're going to be. What do you What do you do if you put up a monster season? Now, DeAndre Francois, Florida State is one of you know obviously one of the top contenders for the national championship this year. They go to the playoffs, have a great run. He has a four thousand yard season, keeps his interception total under ten. You're in a tough spot. I mean, mm-hmm. the problem is, is you you can almost there's really no way you can go up. You can only go down. So it is tough. You know, some of these guys, you know, you would maybe advise them. But the problem is, is, you know, but if you're the younger guy, you're saying, well, you know, I mean, when you're looking at a guy who may be a 22, 23-year-old kid, like I mentioned White earlier out of, you know, Western Kentucky. Yep. He's already he's already transferred once. So now the whole beat's 23, I believe, by the time the draft comes out. You know, now, but you're 21 and the iron's hot. This guy's 23. You know, does a, does a front office want you because they're getting you at a younger age? You know, there's just so many variables that go into it. And with all these quarterbacks, I mean, so much can change between now and December. You know, Sam Darnold, God forbid, doesn't have the greatest years. Maybe he ends up deciding saying that's the best thing for him. DeAndre Francois, who was back and forth, you know, seems like he wants to go pro now. He has a monster year and then shows well in the playoffs. It's almost like he's got no choice but to go because his value will never get any higher. So we got about, you know, three and a half months here where, you know, it's going to shape a lot of these quarterbacks, you know, decision what they're going to do. And, yes, some of these guys have to realize that this is a deep group and, you know, that's going to have to factor into the decision they make. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, there is no way that the mocks that come out today or this week are going to be the same uh, three months down the road here. And I feel like, didn't Matt Liner come back for his senior year and that kind of cost him in the draft a little bit? I don't think it necessarily cost him because, I mean, he still went, uh, I believe it was 10 or 11. Yeah, to Arizona. You know, exactly. He still went to a favorable spot. And, and, you know, but also let's keep in mind, those guys at USC at the time, they were living the lives yes. of rock stars. So, I mean, why would you necessarily want to give that up? I mean, college life was so good to them that, you know, they would have had a guy to the NFL and they would have been like, you know, they were running the same playbook for three years. I mean, everybody knew anything. You just had to go to practice and then you went out and, I mean, you know, you were dating the Paris Hiltons of the world. <laughs> you were dating Kardashians. I yep. mean, you know, things were never, you know, things were, those guys were never as good as that. So, but, you know, 
you just it's it's going to just so much is going to come over in the next couple of months and how these guys play and you know and some of these guys are on premier teams that should show well and should be you know in contendership for you know making the you know the final four making the playoff run so it's going a lot's going to go down it's going to be a really really fun year quarterback wise i am very high on many teams to finish with like one or two losses one of those teams that i like and i, I the rose bowl last year was one of my favorite games uh, that i or compelling college football games that i can remember from last year and, and years before between usc and penn state just going back and forth and i really fell in love with uh, saquon barkley the running back there from penn state i think he's the best running back in college football now you have uh, a guys at LSU he's really good uh the the two guys Chubbs and uh, uh Michelle at uh at Georgia but uh Saquon Barkley really impressed me a lot in that uh in that Rose Bowl last year what do you think what do you make of him um the, the beautiful thing about Saquon Barkley is he kind of pretty much does a little bit of everything you know a little bit of a bigger guy stronger guy runs with good power good balance great vision you know, uh, he is fast. You know, pretty much it seems that he's in the mid 4-4 range, which is obviously more than you need as a running back. Uh, 28 receptions last year. You know, you say, oh, that number's not so great. But then you look that it was for 400, over 400 yards. So you're talking a pretty significant, you know, yards per reception average, which is very impressive. You know, great in pass pro. You know, great complete all-around back if you were drafting right now to today. He is a top 10 pick. He is the number one running back in this class. Um, now, the thing with Darius, guys, look, everything he did last year is absolutely remarkable. It's even more remarkable in the fact that there were four games where he had less than five carries because he was not supposed to be the show last year in Baton Rouge. There was nothing about it. I mean, everybody knew he was talented, but it was more about, you know, obviously, you know, setting Leonard Fournette up. You know, for the best possible position, you know, him going number four to Jacksonville still stuns me. Not so much as the player, just as the franchise is in a really, really bad way still. Yes. And taking a franchise running back at number four when you had a lot of other holes, you know, that's that's you know neither here nor there. So maybe Leonard Fournette isn't in the best position for success as some of the other rookie running backs. But, guys, the thing you love about him is, you know, he's thicker than he looks on tape. He's 5'11". He definitely carries at about, you know, a little plus 220. I believe he is straight line faster than Barkley is. Um, takes a hit. I mean, he gets bumped. You're not really getting him down. He keeps the speed. Um, but in the same respect, though, you you, you know only uh, nine receptions last year. So you, you, there's some things there you want to see whether or not you know you're going to count him as a full time back. Doesn't have much experience in pass pro. But I, I can say now that right now today, who's the number one back in this class? Yes, it's Barkley. There is a chance, though, that come December, you could say, wow, I, I think Geis has passed him by. Yeah. But either way, it's, it, it's you know, whether or not you like the finest of red wines, you like the finest of white wines. These guys are top 20 running backs. Um, they're both going to get drafted in the top 20. This is the type of talent they have. Special group. There is It's another good running back group in college football this year. But I think it's kind of like, you know, the Ferrari, the Maserati. And then uh, underneath is where everybody else falls in good players, but I don't know if they are the upper echelon guys, you know, like these two are. Well, I mean, I like wine, any kind of wine. I like any alcohol, so let's let's just be real there. <laughs> uh, uh, defensive line, I know Ohio State's got a really good defensive line. Are there any other positions of strength or depth, I guess, uh, in this draft that you're uh, particularly looking at besides the quarterback position? 
Uh, I think you have a little bit of better uh, offensive tackle class this year. Uh, oh, you know, last year, <laughs> last year, yeah, exactly. Remember, we talked about this a bunch last year. You yep. know, you were hoping for this for your Minnesota Vikings. It just was not in the cards for yeah, last year. It's not looking this good year, for them now. <laughs> nah, <laughs> definitely not. Um, Mike McGlinchey, Connor Williams out of Texas, uh, even Quentin Nelson at guard. Uh, everybody wants to type this guy in car as uh, as a guard. He was a left tackle in high school. He went to my high school here in New Jersey. He could easily play right tackle. I think it's a better offensive line class. Uh, the secondary uh, secondary quarterback, nice looking class. Safety right now, that's one of those. Oof, you know, we're not seeing what we want to see here right now. Linebackers, another one. I think we have some good ones, maybe some top fifty guys, and then some day three guys. Those are some areas, you know, probably of weakness. Uh, pass rushing, Arden Key. Josh Sweat at Florida State, uh, you know, uh, inside guys. Derek Nade at Florida State is a guy who, you know, basically in the weight room, Florida State has to stop him from what he's doing because they're afraid he's going to hurt himself the amount of weight he can move. Yeah, I would say the, the meat, meat and potatoes is pretty much there everywhere. The weakness, though, is probably linebacker and safety at this point. It's, you know, but luckily safety was a really deep class last year. Yes. Linebacker gets tough because, look, with so much nickel and dime being played in the NFL, you literally have one linebacker who maybe takes every snap on defense. It's more of a, you know, you have your, you know, run stuff in linebackers, and then once it's second and eight or, you know, third and seven, that's it. You have your one athletic linebacker, a Durant type from the New York Jets, that you put out there, you know, the big functional, you know. And look, I mean, prime example of this, Reggie Rang- Wrangler. Yes. Two years ago, second round pick, Buffalo Bills. Tore an ACL, Buffalo's changed now to a four foot four three. Now you look at a guy like Wrangland, uh, who, you know, three, four inside stuffer, didn't have a home. Here was a guy who was drafted, I think it was a 36, 37, was just moved for a 2019 fourth round pick. Yep. So, you know, it's, it's tough with the linebacker position. Uh, you know, you, it all depends on system. If you're a three, four, your inside linebackers are guys you're not really going to traditionally draft too high because a four, three, you were looking for your six foot two, 230 pound guys who were former running backs or safeties who run a 4-5 and can chase anything all over the field. So, you know, with that, it's tougher. And, you know, safety, you know, we had a great class last year, so it only makes sense that maybe, you know, the next year the class would not be as good. So, you know, just with the ebbs and flows of it, the ebbs and flows. Uh, We'll get to my South Dakota State Jackrabbits here in just a a second, but is there anyone else outside of the Power 5 FCS level, Division 2 even, uh, that you're kind of keeping an eye on to say, hey, this guy is going to maybe you're going to start to hear his name get mentioned more. Anyone out there that uh, could really surprise and get drafted high this year? Biggest name probably if you're going to go that route is Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton down at SMU. Um, he's, he's been phenomenal to this point, uh, former basketball player. So, you know, obviously we know how well, and obviously it's been documented thousands of times, how well that translates over, you know, to the football field. Now, 100% fully focused on football, had a great year last year, was teetering, was very close to coming out last year. You know, SMU was able to convince him, look, we don't think this is the right thing for you. You're probably not going to go round one. He is a guy, you know, obviously you're going to look to here. And, you know, he's a. Uh, with you know, with his what his resume is to this point, you're going to look for another big year here. Uh, he's a guy you probably get talking about right now. Probably consensus number one wide receiver, and we're talking about a school like SMU, which yeah. this isn't you know this isn't traditional for them. No, but, you know look, no. these schools in Texas they have talent for days. These high schools, and you know if you work hard and you stay on the recruiting trail, you're going to get these guys to you 
because you know nobody wants everybody wants to play right away. Nobody wants to go to Texas and sit for a year and a half. So they get a guy like Cortland Sutton, and now you're talking first round pick. All right, I'm gonna. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be biased here. Uh, don't mean to gush over this as much as I do, but I am so stoked for this year uh, for South Dakota State football here in Parks. I hope they can finally, you know, take down North Dakota State in the playoffs here, maybe win a championship. But I, uh, the big, the big thing for me is I need Dallas Goddard and Jake Wenicky to stay healthy. These guys, I know Phil Savage was in Brookings earlier this summer. Uh, you know, he's the director. Uh, of the, of the Senior Bowl, so he was up there looking at these guys. They're going to have scouts year round, and uh, Jake Wenicky. By the way, uh, Cooper Cup set the uh, FCS record for receiving yards last year. I think uh, like forty seven hundred ninety four yards or something like that. Jake Wenicky's only six hundred behind him, so I foresee he should him. have that by Halloween. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, he might have that by the end of the game against Duquesne here uh, Thursday night. <laughs> uh, but I mean. So, obviously, I don't mean to gush over these guys a lot, but Jake Wenicke is so good at wide receiver, and Dallas Goddard kind of came out of nowhere. And uh, as we were just talking uh, before we got on, I mean, Todd McShay has him listed as the number one tight end. Uh, again, he was the guy who had Mitch Leidner as a first-round draft pick as a quarterback last year from the University of Minnesota. So I, I don't know if I could quite go that far, but Goddard is a big physical guy who – is a mismatch, is a nightmare for, for defenses because he's faster than most linebackers and bigger that he can roll over safety. So uh, I know I've been talking to you about these guys here off and on, but uh, as you've maybe studied them a little bit more, what do you make of them and what do you think of their potential? Uh, first things first on Goddard, and look, this is another thing. Look, you like the athletic background. And look, I cannot say this enough for any kid going through high school. Play every sport. Just play every sport. Don't focus on one thing. Let your body develop athletically. Dallas Goddard was an outstanding high school basketball player. Now that is translated. Uh, obviously, the one highlight everybody loves is almost basically, you know, on him on the little screen over the middle, jumping up left-handed, snagging the ball, taking off. Mm-hmm. But, you know, phenomenal season he put together last year. You know, the one thing is it'll be fun to see a little bit more of a focus on these guys now as, as the years go on, knowing that these guys are their, you know, the upper echelon players of this division. Um, one thing you do notice is is you don't see a Kansas or a Texas Christian looking to schedule these guys this year. No. Uh, they weren't able to bag. They weren't able to bag. You know, an FBS opponent. They know what's going on here. They know the talent that's going on. You know, Goddard, six foot four. You know, they say two sixty. I'm going to believe more about two fifty, which is obviously more than capable. Uh, phenomenal athlete. Like I said, I'm excited. Number one tight end. Sports Illustrated released a mock today. Good friend of mine, Chris Burke. Had him as the number thirty overall selection in the first round. Woo. So you know nobody's nobody's hidden anymore. No, when uh, when you know listed at six four, probably six three and a half, whatever, more than adequate. You know ninety two reception, about to you know go over five thousand yards receiving, about to go over three hundred receptions this year, about to go over fifty touchdowns in his career. Nothing but uber production. Uh, Phil Savage, obviously. Look, these guys are both probably prime targets, senior bowl. These are guys you want down there. You want to get them against, you know, the competition, which is a little bit higher than they're accustomed to, so you can get a good grade on them. But these guys both, you know, very, very, I would say, at worst right now, they're both carrying top three, top uh, round three or higher grades, phenomenal players, uber talent. And look, I mean, for you, you know, you who know the school like you do and affiliate it like it is, this has got to be, you know, it's, you know, like me, a guy from Monmouth, you know, you're not excited, you're not used to the, yeah. you know, the bright lights and the tinsel always being around your school. 
But right. every now and then, something comes through there and something comes special. And it's, you know, soak it up and enjoy it. It's like, you know, I don't remember this other than, like, with Nate Wolters back in the, you know, a few years back. And now the Jackrabbit men's basketball team has Mike Dom. Uh, so, I mean, the, the collection of athletes here right now, it's going to be a very fun couple of years. And the one thing about Wynikey and, uh, and Goddard is that they have been able to post the big numbers against the FBS teams when they've had Absolutely. a chance to play them because uh, a lot of times people say oh you know the fcs guys that put up all these stats uh, wait till they play against the bigger competition when has destroyed uh, everyone he has faced i think missouri kansas and tcu and goddard last year i believe had a pretty decent game against tcu so these guys are putting them up against whoever they play yeah goddard last year was uh six for 92 with a touchdown against kansas obviously you know when you know he's held his own against all these big schools every time he's shown and, you know, those are the first tapes you're going to look for when you're looking with these guys. Look, we're not going through the FCS level, you know, for a lot of talent. You're going through it for a limited amount of talent. And the first thing you want to do is, hey, did they play some FBS guys? And look, regardless whether or not it's Kansas or it's TCU, you know, not the upper echelon, obviously, at the time they were played. But, you know, these are, you know, these are the FBS opponents and these guys held well. And the other thing is nobody backed down. They went in there and they played their games and they balled out, put up monster numbers. It's going to show. It's going to show well, and it's certainly going to help with draft position. Well, we'll see how they fare throughout this season. How the the mock drafts have them going. And I know we'll be talking with you uh, throughout this process here, and you know, of course, into the Senior Bowl and uh, the combine and the and the draft. So, looking forward to that uh, another year with you, my friend. But uh, before I want to get you out of here with this, your four college football playoff teams. Who you got this year? Uh, well, as far as you know, I'm not going to give it to you seed wise. Look. Sure. Uh, Florida State, Alabama, um, obviously this is going to be a doozy come Saturday night. Um, I do think as long as both teams, you know, remain healthy, nothing goes wrong, I do believe both of those teams, one, two, will make the college football playoff. It's going to be a fun one Saturday night. I cannot begin to tell you how excited I am for oh, it. Yeah. I think I think Oklahoma's in for a solid run. Uh, Baker Baker Mayfield, obviously, last year raw down there, uh, you know, obviously had a little issue over the offseason, you know, got himself in a little bit of trouble. But, you know, ready to go. Oklahoma is loaded on D. Um, they obviously can put up points. And I'm going to go with USC. Uh, I think everyone seems to be high on Ohio State. I think there is just so many bodies to be replaced in Columbus that it's going to cost them somewhere. Uh, Penn State obviously is a lot closer to Ohio State than people want to admit. You know, Michigan, you know, I remember I told you, if you remember last year, I put Michigan in my playoff last year mm-hmm. and said it was going to be then because it was going to be a step a step back year for Michigan because now we're seeing all, you know, it'll be all of Harbaugh's recruits now. You know, everybody that was there before he got there is now out of the system. But I don't see Ohio State in, but uh, Sam Darnold, USC, that defense is loaded. They got pass rushers. As long as the young receivers step up and they gel with Sam Darnold, I don't see why uh, USC shouldn't be the fourth team in it. So those would be my four, Alabama, Florida State, Oklahoma, USC. Very good. Uh, the one thing with Oklahoma, do you think Oklahoma is in uh, takes a step? Uh, obviously, you don't think they're going to take a step back because of the, the you have them in the playoff. Does it help them that the Big 12 has a championship game this year? And then what do you think the effect of Bob Stoops retiring, Lincoln Riley, first-time head coach, um, stepping in here? What, what effects do you think that will have on them this year? I don't think it's going to be much because, uh, honestly, the way it all went down, it kind of seemed like it was something maybe that was, you know, you know, maybe like not spoken about publicly, not known about. But it almost seems like, you know, Lincoln Riley kind of knew 
you know, it was coming soon. And I just think Bob Stoops just decided, look, you know, it's, you know, maybe I don't have the time for this, but it's still the same. Everything's still in place. Nothing's really changed. And if anything, now you have some guys, you know, who are looking at this new coach and, and, and you know, maybe it makes almost even a little bit more motivation, you know, yep. just that, you know, you know, don't sleep on us because coach, because coach is gone. You know, right. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, at the end of the day, it's about the talent. It's not about the coaching. Nothing's going to change in there. I mean, Bob Stoops was, you know, he was the face of the program. He was the head of the program. But he was also a guy, you know, in his later years who was obviously giving a lot of the responsibility on others. And now those guys have just taken a little bit more step up, you know, as far as, you know, being full throttle, you know, and being in charge. Obviously, Lincoln Lincoln Riley just running the offense. Now he's running the team. I I I don't think it's going to change things much down there. Well, it's going to be a fascinating year to watch. There's a lot of depth. There's going to be a lot of teams who just miss out on the playoff. We'll be following it all along. Uh, of course, we'll be following the quarterbacks, everything related to the draft as well. And uh, Noah, we'll be speaking with you down the road. Thank you so much, Jeff. Enjoy Saturday. Enjoy the college football season, my friend. You got it, buddy. Always a blast, Nathan. Thank and you. And by the way, yeah. uh, everybody, anybody, look, spend some money, five, ten bucks. You know, get on there, send some money to Houston, the fourth largest city in the United States. I mean, as me, a New Jersey guy, saw what happened with 9-11, I don't think people even remotely understand the financial burden that it's going to take to fix that city. Right. Look, five ten dollars skip yep. McDonald's, skip your Starbucks, make your coffee at home, send some money down to Houston. Yep, even like with Sandy, and we, we have been um, uh, talking about that the different ways. J.J. Watt doing a phenomenal job there. Um, so, yeah. Incredible. Def- Yep. Incredible. Yep. So, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, thank you, Jeff, so much, and we will uh, we'll chat with you later, my friend. Thank you. You got it. Be good, buddy. Thank you. Jeff Lloyd, the second. TurnOnTheJets.com. Find out all his good stuff there. Again, I, I'm i blown away every time he, he, he comes on with us. The knowledge that he has, it is just phenomenal uh, what he knows, and uh, we will definitely be – Speaking with him throughout uh, college football season, but definitely after as well. Uh, we might not have the, the podcast will be a little shorter coming up here, maybe stacking along the way. But uh, definitely uh, looking forward to talking with Jeff as the season unfolds and even the off season here because football never sleeps. And with the draft, the combine, Senior Bowl, it's great. But you heard him there mention about uh, donating here. Again, we're not. I, this is not a public service announcement here. We're not. Uh, we haven't been asked to push this at all here on the podcast. But it's just the basic human decency. Uh, go online. Uh, United Way of Houston, the American Red Cross, JJ Watt, the, the youcaring dot com slash JJ Watt. Go on there. Any any little bit helps. In this city, this region, it's going to take years to get better. Uh, it, it's going to be the costliest storm ever uh, or costliest natural disaster in U.S. history. It's the fourth largest city. Not that that really should factor into it, but just given the whole magnitude of the situation here. Um, so, yeah, do whatever you can. Again, uh there are many organizations like again American Red Cross, United Way. I think there's like Feed the Children. There's Feed Texas. Go online. There you you can find any uh, reputable organization that's going to make sure that your dollar goes to help the people of Houston and Southeast Texas. So I cannot um, recommend strongly enough that whatever you can give, 
it's fine. If you can't give, that's fine too. But uh, if if you can spare a few bucks, spare some change. Um, there there are a lot of people. Then you just see the heart wrenching videos. Uh, the, you know the, the flooding. You know now it's in Port Mac- uh, Port MacArthur, Texas. Uh, they're virtually underwater. It is it is something um, the likes of which we've really never seen or haven't seen since Katrina. And uh, maybe this is even worse. Uh, but, yeah, uh, thank you for listening. This, I know, is a very long one, but this is our college football preview. Uh, you can definitely find this podcast by uh, going online to iTunes. Uh, just search the sports block there in the podcast. Uh, we get this up to you here middle, later part of the week. Again, last week had some audio issues. This week seems like it's going good, so that's great news there. Uh, but, yeah, you can search the sports block and have that there. Uh, you can listen to the different parts. Travis and I, uh, Charlie, of course, Jeff. Uh, and, um, yeah, just uh, appreciate you listening, as always. Hope you come back next week. We'll have an NFL season preview. Uh, you can also find this podcast uh, by following me on Twitter, at Andy Stacken. I'll, I'll tweet a link out to it here later in the week. Also uh, on Facebook, Nathan Stacken here. So definitely uh, appreciate you listening. Hope you enjoyed this uh, this podcast, as always. Big one here. We'll have a big one next week. And with football season rolling on, you know it'll just keep coming. You know, the, the guests will keep showing up. Travis and I will keep talking. See Charlie uh, join us here. Jeff, we'll see who else will as well here. But uh, thank you so much for listening to this week's Sports Block podcast. Keep Houston and the uh, surrounding Texas area in your thoughts and prayers. See what you can do donate here and we'll talk with you next week here nathan stack and saying so long enjoy college football talk to you next week on the sports block podcast